Welcome to the Republican Professor. This morning we have with us Peter Kupitz. Did I say your last name right? Uh, sure. I don't know how to say it exactly. I say Kupitz now. Before I got married, I okay. say Kupish because uh, I was told by my father the right Polish way of saying it is Kupish. But then I talked to no native Polish speakers. They said, oh, that's not quite right. So Kupitz is easier. So, <laughs> but okay. it doesn't really matter. <laughs> well, Peter is joining us from georgia and you're not near atlanta you're nowhere near atlanta you are no. in not the u.s state of georgia you're in yeah. the former the former what many people would know as the former ussr soviet bloc country right of georgia that area which of course after the soviet union dissolved in 1991 i believe something like that so. yeah um became uh its own nation again right so hey thank you for joining us what time is it there it is 7 49 p.m yeah okay so it's 8 49 a.m here in california i'm in frozen california <laughs> so i had i had to put uh hat on to go outside i had to put yeah it. that's tough that's tough yeah i was like oh man i put a sweater on to go outside so i was like okay yeah good well i i it's don't want to talk about my suffering um yeah let's talk about my suffering <laughs> so this is your palatial estate up there high in the mountains i wish i could say that but this i have a literal green screen behind me because um yeah, we, we record a videos for a podcast too that I do as well. So we have- What's your name? What's the name of your podcast? Lit, L-I-T. It's on YouTube and also mm -hmm. on podcast players and stuff like that. We've only got a few episodes right now because I am I, I do a lot of work on editing on it. So it's yeah. a lot slower to put them out, but um, hopefully- I'll, we'll, I'll, we'll link that in the, in the comments or the, not the comments, but the description. Sure, that's great. Yeah. Uh, which episode do you, have you done that you liked the most of that podcast? And what's the podcast about? Well, I guess we could start there. That's your yeah, latest well, project, right? Well, I mean, to explain the, the podcast, I should say my ministry is about doing uh, Christian apologetics stuff. And so for any listeners who aren't familiar with that, apologetics is not about apologizing. It's about reasons for believing that Christianity is true and not just in the sense of your testimony or your story of how God changed your life, but it goes into philosophy, history, science, and all kinds of different disciplines and tries to give a sophisticated kind of scholarly answer. But good apologetics, I think, meets people where they're at. Different people have different ideas of what they think of when they hear the word apologetics. Some people think it's apologizing and that's mm -hmm. just not what it's about. Um, but other people, Christians, when they hear about it, uh, will sometimes hear apologetics as like fancy philosophy stuff that they don't understand and they don't know why it helps, right? And uh, Je my Jedi uh, ministry, Jedi, you know, sure. you know special arts. <laughs> <laughs> sure. You can, I, I know you're good at that in your classrooms and stuff, the, where you've taught and all. Um, and I think fancy philosophy stuff is appropriate if you're talking to a fancy philosophy person, right? But if you're talking to someone who's 
not studied philosophy, then giving a fancy philosophy answer usually is not very helpful. You want to give an answer or share something with them that will help them where they're at, right? And so yeah. that's not necessarily a fancy philosophy thing. And so sometimes when some Christians hear apologetics done poorly because either the answer was complicated, they didn't understand it, or it wasn't logical and didn't make sense, or the person sharing it was, you know, getting upset and angry and not very kind and gentle when they're talking, you know, they see that and they think, well, apologetics is bad. And my response to that is, you know, for a Christian, anytime you're sharing the Christian message, the gospel with someone, almost always people are going to have some kind of challenging question or objection. Whatever you say in response to that person, that's apologetics. It's just a matter of whether it's done poorly or whether it's done well. And so for Christians, I think we should try to be doing this well. And that means giving an answer that helps people where they're at to move closer to faith in Jesus, you know, or if they're a Christian, helping them to grow in their faith and know more. So Peter, based on what you've said so far, is it fair to say that you're a Christian? That's correct. And I know that okay. this podcast is the Republican podcast. So well, not, I just, I, uh, I, I don't think I ever knew that you were a Christian. Okay. Um, well, okay. You know. All right. So I got to take this in a different direction. I thought you were an atheist. Um, okay. All right. Now we know. We've got okay. Time. Well, no, no, I can adapt. I can adapt. Um, okay. All right. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, let me share a warm anecdote for, for how I met you. I met you at Biola University in California, which mm-hmm. is in the it's near the city of Los Angeles. It's not really in the city of Los Angeles, but it's just outside of the city right. in the County of Los Angeles, what Americans call a County. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were graduate students in the philosophy program there. Right. And I, I can't remember exactly which classes we had. It seemed like we had many classes together because my memories of you are always between classes, like talking okay. around the campus uh, and just, I remember your accent and I was trying to place your accent okay. and you had a, it seemed like you had a Canadian accent to me. That's just my opinion. And I would never want to force my opinion on anybody. Good, good. Cause I don't want to um, be forced. Yeah. And I know that there's no truth about it. It just, it's just opinions about where you're from. Right. But, well, I was born and raised in Canada, so that might have something to do with Wait. So is that your truth or is that actually the truth? Both. <laughs> okay. So what part of Canada did you come from? Toronto and not like all, the, I'm not saying Toronto, like all the fakers out there who are from like three hour drive away from Toronto. Oh yes. Because you, nobody else knows the place where they're from. I'm from no, actually, no, we have, Toronto, we have yeah. fakers too. We have fakers. Totally. <laughs> there are people that say I'm from LA and they're not firmly from LA. They're from the desert, like two hours away, you know, Right, right. but no one wants but, to say apple Valley. So sure. But Southern California, a lot of places in the world, you can go say Southern California. People know That's that. True. But saying Southern Ontario is a little harder, but people yeah. hopefully go Toronto. So they, you know, just say Toronto. So is it Southern Ontario? Is that how you would say it? Well, that's the, the, the fakers out there who say they're from Toronto. Oh, right. Okay, a lot of gotcha, times gotcha. are from Southern Ontario. That's the province that Toronto is in. You can tell because they have a Southern accent and they're like, boy, I'm from, 
I'm from Ontario. I'm from the south side of Ontario. That's exactly yeah. what they sound, Lucas. How did you know? You got it perfectly. I don't know what you're talking about over here. Well, get out of my. I got a pickup exactly. truck with some rifles. So, um, so I got to say something about like your, you know, how we first met because I'm a little honored that you invited me on because I think we first met through my friend Joe, and I remember somehow it came up that you had been in the military and had, you know, done China stuff and you had learned Chinese. And so we'll, we'll I, edit that out. We'll edit that stuff out. Cause I don't want to get cyber attacked. Okay, That's okay. okay. Don't worry. You could right. say it. Well, I already told you say whatever. Yeah, it's fine. Okay. All right. <laughs> so you had been aware of this East Asian language and I learned a few words of that East Asian language for a little <laughs> while. So I was going to like, just jokingly be like, oh, I know that language too, as well. And so I said, you know, like I counted to five in it. And I don't know if you realized I was joking or if maybe I didn't, I, we didn't know each other. So you didn't, I was joking. And I think your impression of me, this guy is, is like, what I figured you thought of me is this guy's an idiot, <laughs> like, you know? And then I, I noticed like you have fun Facebook posts about the professor interacting with students and I enjoyed reading them. So I remember, I thought I just sent you one message saying, oh, I like your posts and, you know, you have some fun things to say. But one day I looked back and I had said the same thing like five times to you. And I just thought Lucas probably thinks I'm like mentally retarded or something because I just, like if somebody did that no. to me, I'd be like, okay, you said this four times now. Why do you keep repeating the same thing? And I just didn't realize I'd done that. So I like for years now, I, I, I figured like Lucas just thinks I'm an idiot probably. And I'm not, a, I, so then you invited me to come on the show and I'm like, oh, I guess he doesn't think I'm that dumb after all. I, that's an honor. <laughs> so. Oh, no, no. I always, uh, I was always delighted with our conversations. Uh, you know, we would, and I, I do believe that we kept in touch. This is before Facebook. So the, the Biola was way before Facebook. Right. For right. me anyway. I mean, maybe not for you. Um, yeah. well, I guess I got on Facebook like, uh, 2006 because graduated Biola 2005, got on Facebook 2006, but I, it was my students that created my account. I didn't create my own account. They, they created it for me. My Loyola Marymount students in 2006, they said, you're not on Facebook. And I said, uh, no, I don't understand it. I don't get it. And so they, they said, oh, it's, it's great. You can, they tried to explain it to me and it sounded pretty lame to me, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, but uh, so they created my first account and it was called Master Luke. Wow. That's, that's the name. Jedi. And Jedi. I, I still don't really know how I even got the password. I guess they gave me the password and then later I changed it. At least I hope wow. I did. Oh, but nice. um, anyway, uh, so uh, I didn't do anything on Facebook really much until a couple of years later when my dad died oh. my dad died brought people together that hadn't been talking in a long time and mm. facebook is kind of how we connected so actually that's really when i started posting things on facebook mm. for okay. for the most part i think i posted a few things before but just yeah i still remember hearing about facebook first when i was at viola i remember talking about this really cute girl i knew from high school or something and i remember uh friends saying look her up on facebook and i was like i don't know what that is <laughs> <Why should laughs> I look her up? and then um 
yeah. later yeah. on I was in, living in Korea and uh, that's when someone sent me a link, got me signed up. And at first it was just like, people were posting what pictures of what they ate for lunch. And I'm like, why on earth do I want to sit here mm-hmm. looking at people's photos of what they had for lunch? This is like stupid. Why is anybody on this? Mm-hmm. But you know, like things change and it, it progressed. So you, we studied philosophy. Do you remember which classes we had together? No, I don't, but I just remember also. Did you, what, uh, what year did you get there? 2001, I believe is when I started. I think 2005, I believe is when, uh, I think I graduated the same time spring or, uh, you know, yeah, spring 2005. And I think I started September, 2001. Where did you do your undergrad? I did it in Toronto at a kind of a no-name university called Ryerson University. Yeah, well, that's a name. It's got a name. <laughs> good point. Good point. That's um, why you're the best master, Luke. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was just a little odd that you said it's a no-name and then you gave me the name. <laughs> yeah, true. Kind of bizarre. Now, you went, <laughs> after that, you went to University of Toronto f- for more graduate work. Is that correct? Yeah, I did a second MA in history and philosophy of science and technology at the University of Toronto. Oh, that's really interesting. I remember you doing that. I remember keeping up with you. I don't know how we kept in touch, Peter. Maybe just, we didn't talk too much, but maybe just saw Facebook Maybe I got, no, it must have been through email or something because I wasn't doing anything. What years were you at Toronto for your another, the other master's? Well, it would have been, so I first went to Korea 2007. I think it was two thousand year of 2008, I believe. Hmm. Well, it might've been on Facebook then. Okay. okay. Well, okay. So it's interesting how it's hard to know. Toronto is, it's a really small town, right? It's kind of a backwoods hick town, basically a bunch of people like fishing there, like in ponds and, um, target shooting kind of stuff. Um, people like a lot of tattoos, probably beer cans everywhere. Is that kind of how you you're remember like a Toronto? Toronto native? How do you know all this? Yeah. Stuff? Okay. I thought, I thought so. And it's like the town population is like 5,000, something like that. It's so maybe like, it. it might be like 5,000, like 163 now or something, but yeah. uh, no. Okay. Toronto is a major city, right? It's got millions and millions of people. It's like the New York of Cal uh, of, of Canada. <laughs> the, Is it? Would yeah, you say it's, it's the, like a New York or a Boston or something? It's the biggest city in Canada. So the okay. pro, the population of Toronto itself is under three million. But you take the surrounding area. You know, like LA has all the the municipality, this urban sprawl, and you're mm-hmm. up to I don't know, maybe five million or so. And it's a nice city. It's well it's nice to live in. It's nicer in the summer, you know, in the winter in February, you have like two weeks of overcast skies and snow and slush and cold weather and dog peed on the snow and the snow's turned black and no leaves on the trees. So it's not as nice in the winter, but I'd say spring, summer and fall is, is not bad. Well, you know why God created pee to be a different color than water, right? It's so that when you're walking in Canada and you see the snow and you're thirsty, you don't, you don't take the pee exactly you pick up the clean snow like i said you're like a native torontonian luke that's evidence of design boom god exists what's up put that in your podcast
I'm, I'm going to have to write that one down. <laughs> anybody, does anybody call you Luke or is it always Lucas? No. Yeah. Luke is fine. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I'm going to go with Lucas. Though. I came out of my mom's womb and I said, call me Luke. Okay. <laughs> Good. And the doctors were a little surprised. Okay. Well, I they were they surprised because they, wanted, they, they thought my name was Lucas. Oh yeah. Silly them. They probably got your gender wrong too. That happens a lot. <laughs> they assumed it. I bet. They did. And I was That's, like, you perverts, give me a towel. Yeah, you're, <laughs> you're pretty offended. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Peter, your ministry, you, you don't just study philosophy just for kicks and giggles. You, you obviously are interested in the technical details of philosophy, but you use it every day. You used it every day in your international ministry. You've traveled a lot through, uh, well, tell us about your travels. I mean, right. I'm not I'm not an expert in your travels, but I've seen here and there. You obviously went to Korea. You already said that. You're yeah. talking about South Korea. Yes, right. South Korea. Okay. Right, right. I'm I'd love sure to visit get... North Korea, but I've never. I went on the little Pamunjom. We always see in the news, like the little border area, and they have a UN building that's right straddle. So kind of in the, one side of that, I went to North Korea, but it was inside the UN building. So I don't know if that counts. It does but, count. Of course it counts. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Then I've been Of course there. it counts. Yeah. Um, now, do, do you want to start like at, with Toronto? What was it like studying in Toronto? History and philosophy of science and technology. Uh, you know, it, it was, it was good. I mean, Biola, where we both study or Talbot seminary is a Christian seminary. So university of Toronto being secular non-Christian is a, different you know a little bit of a different experience my interests are quite what, what do you mean by secular well as in not christian the way biola or talbot is christian do you mean atheist no well no not necessarily atheist but you do have lots of different religious views there you remember there was a mormon lady in our program i know there was a roman catholic priest who's a friend of the family who had graduated from there i'm sure some people were atheists um I, I think a professor was marxist or one or two of them i think so you know you get a variety of different perspectives and views and such right and and being there so it you know certainly it was there was good things about being there um but my interests are really very wide. I like to learn and study a lot of things because I'm convinced Christianity is true and not just true for myself as in subjectively true, which is the way a lot of people think of religion in Canada and, and other places like the U.S. You know, it's something you believe because you need it or makes you feel good or something like that. Right. Mm -hmm. But I'm convinced it's objectively true. So independent of what anybody thinks. And so if it's objectively true, there's evidence for it. And it's going to make sense because that's the way objective reality is. So partially because of that, um, I'm not really well versed in, say, one area, philosophy of religion or history or philosophy of science. I try to learn about a lot of these different areas because as I talk to different people about different issues, I want to be able to address where they're at and what they're thinking of and, you know, uh, the average man in the street, right? So that what makes was, it a little bit. Yeah. What was your favorite class that you took at Toronto in the philosophy of science program there? Well, there was a class actually about teleology, design, in, and evolution in biology. 
but the professor i really like was he was he atheist i don't know what he was but okay uh, i really like intelligent design which in academia is not a popular view and i remember actually talking why why is it not popular well it's regarded as a kissing cousin or a close sister of creationism and creationism is just one step away from believing the earth is flat so you know you're just an idiot if you believe that kind of stuff right or at least that's well according to who though according to the secular people you're talking about yeah sure but i mean there are uh secular people who agree with intelligent design it's not it's often painted as a religious view but there are people from a wide variety of religions and no religion at all at all david berlinski is uh you know a secular jew who who likes uh, intelligent design but I think there's generally but you're saying it's not a that's a those are the minority of the secular people that would. Right, would. right. So a lot of times in academia, I remember that professor, I remember talking much and he I think he literally said, I think intelligent design, I think his word was it's an abomination, Some, something <laughs> like that. <laughs> it was, he would would just, you say that's oh. a normal view for the field of philosophy of science? Um, a lot. I mean, there might be. Hard to say. Certainly in biology, a lot of philosophy and science, but as you know, say philosophy of religion, a lot of people don't know this, but in philosophy of religion, Christian theism gets a lot of respect. There are some very sharp Christian philosophers. And when I was learning apologetics, one thing that I remember really stuck out to me was an atheist philosopher, Quentin Smith. I'm sure you've heard of him before. Western um, Michigan. I don't know if yeah, he's still there, but. No, I think he's emeritus. I think he's retired now. He wrote an article called The Metaphilosophy of Naturalism. And in that article, this was published in the late 90s, but the situation, as far as I know, hasn't changed very much. He was basically bemoaning and lamenting the fact that philosophy of religion departments are the one discipline within the university where Christian theism gets a lot of respect. You can be openly a Christian theist and be well-respected in academia. Like you don't really get that in hardly any other department in in secular academia. So there might be a little bit more respect for design in philosophy of science because they, you know, a lot of the objections to it are bad. Like some people will say, well, intelligent design is not science. But philosophers of science are the ones who specifically study and and try to think about what counts as science and what is not. It's the demarcation problem. And they recognize it's very difficult to demarcate and say what science is and is not. So I think a philosopher of science is going to recognize, possibly have a little bit more respect or a little bit more openness to intelligent design than, say, someone in biology. But I wouldn't say it gets a lot of respect either. Okay. I'm wrapping up a present here because okay. original, originally earlier you said, I'm not trying to trap you. I'm just trying to okay. clar- clarify. All right. Originally you said um, that the secular Toronto is secular. And I said, okay. does that mean it's atheist? And you said, no, there's lots of different views. Okay. Yeah. But now what you're saying is, is that, Christians don't get any respect. You can't be open about your Christian views on campus besides philosophy departments, which tells me there's like a hostility. 
So my question to you would be, if you were an atheist, can you be an open atheist in, in other departments? I think it without hostility, in my opinion, you would have a much easier time than being an open Christian. But of course, Christian can mean many different things. What what do you mean? Like, do you mean like wishy-washy nominal Canadian Christian, which, you know, like kind of still majority of Canadians would identify as Christian, even if they don't really hold to a Christian worldview or don't really know what the Bible says. Right. But if you're one of those Christians who believes the Bible is literally true and is a fundamentalist and you probably you know, are the same in the same category as those Americans who would vote for Donald Trump. Well, then you're <laughs> evil, right? So even though you're Canadian, you can't even vote in U.S. elections. And maybe you wouldn't even vote for Donald Trump. Who knows, right? You're still connected to those evil evangelical Americans. And so you're you're a tainted well, bad person, right? OK, I that all sounds very plausible and true. It seems strange though because let's just not argue with the the premise that donald trump is evil okay and by the way don't mention anything about recent events last year because youtube will take this down okay because because uh i had a video that was like three hours and we talked about Everything besides that, he mentioned two sentences, just two sentences with words that start with E F. (laughs) Um, And he didn't even specify the election year. He did not specify what the office was. Okay. And now I've just said the E word. So if the F word is ever said anywhere in this video, they'll take it down. Okay. And it's weird because uh, they said it was misinformation. The guy had barely mentioned, I mean, in two sentences, and he wasn't like, there wasn't even a topic of discussion. I just listened to what he said. He just said his opinion, like in two sentences. He didn't even specify what he was talking about exactly. Okay. And, and then uh, YouTube said, this is misinformation. So I'm going to appeal it. I'm, I, I'm in the process of appealing it because I have to listen to the three hours again and make sure that was the only time he said it, it was minute 34. Anyway, it's just crazy that the censorship that we're dealing with, there's a lot of censorship yeah. down here in, yeah, in America. Again. Like, yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. kind of glad that YouTube is in America because I think if YouTube was based in Canada, it would probably be a lot worse. You know, this. Yeah. So. Well, okay. So Donald Trump is evil. <laughs> Let's just take that for granted. But, okay. but he became president uh, just a few years ago. Right. Mm-hmm. And so how could you tell that it was, we were wrong before that? <laughs> what, oh, was the, you, what was Christian the, uh, what was it? George Bush, you know, was it, well, uh, yeah, was it a lot uh, of- Ronald Reagan? I mean, I know I'm noticing a pattern here. There's a political <laughs> pattern, a bias. Yeah, Canada is definitely, you know, much more progressive than the U.S. Conservatism in the U.S. is a lot stronger. And uh, so as the progressive direction of Canada and, other, and parts of the U.S. and Europe has gone further and further away from the conservative view of the U.S., then that's caused a lot of people not to like American conservatives and evangelical Christians easily get lumped into that. And so you know, evangelical Christians have a lot of different views on, I've 
talked to a lot of evangelical Christians who really don't like Donald Trump and who really don't like American conservatives or where a lot of evangelicals stand. And I, I'm not trying to say my views here. I'm just saying, you know, there's a lot of variety. No, we're, just, there, but... we're just talking. Yeah, we're just talking. Yeah, yeah. So that's what that's what everybody should be free to do is just right. talk. I mean, it's right. such a basic thing. Yeah, um, I agree. It's our nature. So, it's our nature. The, like the, Aristotle said, it's our nature to talk. Yeah. It's so evangelical Christians are are quite becoming a small minority in Canada, but they're really kind of the only minority you can kind of despise in Canada and nobody looks down upon you for that. You know, well, it's not you, surprising that they would be a minority then because of what you just said. Right. Well, yeah. When they, you know, get regarded that way, people don't right. want to be right. that cool. Yeah. Makes yeah. Sense. So, so the tragedy though, I think is, I, you know, I'm not so concerned about conservatism in general. I'm more concerned about Christianity and a Christian worldview um and now i think there's overlap between yeah we were talking yeah yeah, let's go back to philosophy of science because i don't think we ever defined that term Um, maybe somebody's listening to this that is trying to keep up and maybe they get the idea of philosophy of religion but philosophy of science is fuzzy to them and they might be thinking uh why don't you just go to, if you like science, why don't you just go to the university of Toronto and study science? Sure. So why study philosophy of science instead of just like science? Yeah. Well, because philosophy of science just looks at different issues and different questions and the issues they are looking at are best dealt with using the tools that philosophers acquire. Right. Okay. That's very interesting. So So it's not like microscopes and, at beakers like in a chemistry lab um what kind of tools are we talking about for philosophy well so one big thing i've talked about is just what is science like what counts as it and you can't do a a test tube experiment or you know smash some particles together or whatever it is to be able to define what science is and is not right it's just not a scientific question it's a philosophical or you could say a linguistic question right um so that's where philosophy comes into play or another area that philosophers look at is realism and anti-realism so for example when you talk about subatomic particles do should we regard those subatomic particles as as things that really exist or are we just thinking of them in a way that they exist, but we're maybe because it's useful to think that way about them, right? Um, the reason for being skeptical about whether they really exist, taking anti-realist view, is because lots of times in the history of, of physics, they thought that they figured out, okay, this is what subatomic particles are, right? They're this, you know, and they had the, or the Rutherford Bohr model where they have like kind of like planets going around the nucleus and they realize no that's not quite right and so over time they realized their original conception of what subatomic particles are turned out to be wrong so then they increasingly start to think well maybe we really shouldn't try to say that we know what's going on here because we really don't so but then other people would say you know 
we can have confidence just because we were wrong in the past doesn't mean we're wrong now. And now we do know what we're dealing with here, right? Even, even if it's hard to understand, I mean, you have wave particle duality, which is, you know, still hard to understand for anybody, but um, that's, you know, another issue that philosophers get into. You mentioned the demarcation problem earlier. You referenced that. Can you say a little bit more about that? What's the demarcation problem in the philosophy of science? Right. So it's all about trying to demarcate what is science and what is not science. And the problem they have, whenever they try to define it, is that they will try to create a set of conditions, necessary sufficient conditions to define what science is. Mm-hmm. But then they get this definition and they realize that either they are including something that this definition includes something that they don't want to include, like astrology, or they're, <laughs> they're excluding something that they do want to count as science, right? Like, so, like paleontology or something. Yeah, whatever it, it, it might be, right? And of course, you know, it's- Can you give an example of that? So that well, we have- I, I, off the top of my head, it's been a little while since I looked at it. So I'm not quite sure of what is an, an example of something that they. The, the social sciences would be low hanging fruit, right? Uh, yeah. Well, sociology, I mean, just, psychology. J- just in, in normal conversation, we talk about the hard sciences and the soft sciences, right? Right, so, right. You know, hard sciences would be biology, chemistry, and physics, and soft sciences would be things like economics or maybe history or something like that. And right. So, you know, even just in average everyday discussion, what do we mean by science? People like Richard Dawkins, who is an atheist, will say that everything can be investigated by science, right? Mm-hmm. And so science can tell us everything about everything. But, you know, people point out, well, look, like morality, is, is ethics really part of science? We, we know certain things are true. We know that murdering an innocent person is wrong, but that's not a scientific statement. But, you know, if Richard Dawkins has his way, anything that he wants to count as knowledge is is scientific. So morality would now be science, right? But I I remember hearing uh, an atheist philosopher, uh, his name, uh, I can't remember quite now. He's in um, New York, CUNY University. He's got a PhD in philosophy too, and a PhD in science. He's an Italian-American uh, philosopher. Anyway, so he's an atheist too. And he's, he, he was pointing at the problem with Richard Dawkins doing this and saying, look, as a philosopher, I can play that game too. And I can say, you know, philosophy can tell us about everything and then just define anything that you want to count as knowledge as something that belongs to philosophy. So now it's not science that's king, it's philosophy that's king, right? <laughs> so, you know, it's kind of a silly thing. That's game, great. Right? That's awesome. Yeah. Well, if you can remember his name later, just email it to me and I'll put it in the description um so uh that's all very interesting lots of cultural remarks about higher education here seems Mm -hmm. like there's a lot that you're noticing that kind of gets in the way of free thinking seems like there's a lot of social pressures yeah so i mean that, that that's true anywhere it's just the nature of people people like groups we like to be in groups and connect with people and feel like we're the same as other people and then we right. it, it it does affect our thinking or whether we do think yeah yeah i mean both people who are on the left and the right sometimes 
are just exposing themselves to ideas they already agree with. You know? Yeah. We get co-chambers and that's sad. We should be trying to expose ourselves to other ideas and such. You would so, think it'd be yeah. relatively easy to do that, uh, to, to be exposed to other views, but it seems like the way that that's happening with technology is only making people more isolated to me. And that's yeah. interesting to me because we've never been more connected, possi possibly connected than we are now. I mean, you're over there in Georgia, right? And I'm over here. You're, you're, you're in the free state of Georgia. I'm in communist California. Okay. I'm in the communists took over California socialists. Yeah. This is a social, this is a Soviet state okay. <laughs> and you're in the free country of Georgia. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, you, you, but we look at it, look at us. We're talking right now. Yeah. Yeah, it's so, amazing. And, and this will be archived for right. future generations so that right. they will know who Peter Kupitz was and how oh, he for, said his name. And where he went to school, Ryerson, and what and did my, he study? And what's accent. the demarcation problem? And his accent, yeah. Yeah. and and that's all wonderful. But but I guess what I'm getting at is a low. But people have people have a limited attention span, right? And technology has a way. Would you agree with this? Of of of. Uh, making us focus on almost nothing <laughs> and using our time. What do you think yes. about that? Yeah. I mean, I've, I've heard it said before. I don't know if you've seen the meme or something online where um, somebody says, you know, like, this is amazing. Like imagine we go back in time and we show them how we have these things in our pockets, these phones that give us practically the totality of human knowledge. Anything we could ever want to find out, we can just open our phone and find it. And then they're like, you know, you go back to the middle ages and they're like, that's amazing. So what do you use it for? What do you learn? You're like, well, mainly just like cat videos and stuff like that. <laughs> like what? So, you know, that that's true. A lot of times people are just, you know, TikTok is exploding and TikTok is all about 10 second videos and such. And of course, the truth is there's nothing wrong with being entertained. But the question is, are we just looking for that and just looking to be dumb, right? And not try to educate ourselves about what's going on, whether it's in Ukraine or whether it's in Georgia or California or Canada. Like, it's important for us to try to, like, know what's going on in the world. I think it's important for Christians to know why they believe what they believe. I think, you know, all these things are important for us to learn. How close are you to Ukraine? Not, it, it's far enough away that, you know, we don't have Ukrainian refugees, but ironically, we have some Russian refugees coming into Georgia now. Why is that? So, well, what I've heard from my Georgian friends is that, um, you know, Russia getting hit with sanctions and companies closing down, they're having some problems getting products and stuff like that there. So they're, coming into Georgia now because we share a border, it's easy to come across. But uh, my Georgian friends are kind of concerned because, you know, Georgia shares similarities with Ukraine in the sense that Ukraine, you know, had Crimea annexed by Russia and Eastern Ukraine. Well, Georgia had the same thing. They've had 
the western part of uh, Georgia, as Kazia or something like that, it's called. And then there's a more of a central area that's connected to Russia called Ossetia. Both of those have been annexed by Russia in the past 10, 20 years or so. So, you know, and Georgians have been trying to join NATO for about 15 years too, but they haven't been able to. So Georgians are concerned as these Russians are coming in, they aren't particularly liked. And in fact, my wife and I tried to go into one of the two big banks here the other day, and they asked us, you know, because that's where we bank, they asked us, where are you from? And we weren't sure what, the, what they were meant, but then they asked us, are you Russian? And we said, okay, no, of course not. Well, not of course not, but no, we weren't. You, no, you said, no, I'm not in a hurry. Yeah, that's right. That's I'm, not, I'm not rushing. <laughs> that's right. Um, if I was Russian, that might be a good line. <laughs> yeah. Because yes, I am in they, a hurry. I'm rushing. <laughs> they're not serving Russians. Uh, they won't. They refuse to serve them. And Georgians see a lot of affinity to Ukraine because they're both former Soviet Union countries that are looking more Western, want to be part of EU, want to be part of NATO. So they're concerned as these Russians come in. And sometimes, you know, because average, the government is not, the Georgian government is not putting any sanctions against Russia. I think they feel they're too weak and too close to Russia to, to take that strong of a stand. But average Georgians are strongly against what Russia is doing in Ukraine right now. Um, if you're listening to this in the future, we're about, just about, what, one or two weeks into the Russian invasion of Ukraine. So if uh, anybody's wondering. Every, everybody, but, yeah, everybody that will be listening to this will be listening to it into the future, in the future. Good point. Good point. Yeah, that's because we're if not you're now, If you're listening to this in the past, before we recorded it, um, what will happen is that... <laughs> Russia will invade Ukraine. Good point. So if you're in Ukraine, you might want to make stupid comments. No, it's okay. It's a good point. Good point. We're, no, no, it's, it's just it's funny. I, I'm just, I'm just having a good time. You're just being Lucas. I know you. Well yeah. Okay. I'm an idiot. Just ignore me. Okay. Um, so yes, but, Georgians are concerned that Russians will come in here. Yeah. They're not yeah. getting treated well. They have to ask because, you, right? They have to ask you because Russians don't look different, right? Is that right? That's right. Actually, you know, we have a, a friend of ours who um, she's from South Ossetia, but she, people think she's Russian because her last name's Russian. And so mm. she gets asked. And actually, we, we went on a little vacation to Cyprus and there was at least one or two people that thought we were Russian too, but we're, I have no Russian ancestry or anything like that. Well, when they ask you, are you Russian? It's interesting. It's kind of an ambiguous question because it could be are you loyal to Russia? That's a loyalty issue. Or they could be asking, did you come from Russia, whatever your loyalties are? Or they could be asking, um, are you culturally Russian? Do you speak Russian? Is your family Russian? Yeah, it's, it's kind of it's not clear what you're asking. Well, it could also be your citizenship versus your ethnicity. Nationality. Because, yeah, sure. Nationality. Well, yeah, right. Nationality. Because that would go to your that loyalty, same, though. That's kind of what I'm assuming, because a citizen is supposed to be loyal. So that's what's kind of. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And that that friend who's Georgian, but from South Ossetia, that part that got occupied by Russia, she was, you know, when I say, oh, are you Georgian or you or is that person Russian? She's always thinking of ethnicity. So she's like, no, no, I'm Ossetian. She's not Georgian. She's Ossetian. And her Russian family, who are in North Ossetia, which is on the other side of the border, 
so they're they're not Russian, they're Ossetian. But then she's thinking ethnicity, but they're still by citizenship or nationality, they're Russian. And she's citizenship or ethnicity, she's Georgian, right? So what what is the uh, strategic importance of Ossetia and the western part of Georgia that that Russia would want that? Well, as as I understand it, um, there's a number of Russians living there, so it's. I, I understand it's part of the same argument that Putin took over parts of Ukraine, Crimea, and the eastern part. I can and, understand why he'd want Crimea. That's pretty obvious. Okay, so and he, I mean it's obvious to you, right? To Crimea. Right? Well, yeah. it's got historic ties to Russia, and it gives him some more access to the Black Sea and stuff. That's, that that's it. It's a it's a longer coast, and yeah. it's obviously a beautiful place too. It's a it's a vacation area too. Right. But it's but but yes, the, the Black Sea only has so much land around it. And from a Navy perspective, the more you control of that, the better, because mm-hmm. if you look at look at Russia, look at their naval options for naval ports, mm-hmm. they don't have very many options. You know, I mean, compared to the United States, for example, we have lots of Navy ports, right? Right, right. As as Donald Trump would say, we got lots, lots of navy ports. I can't do a very good Donald Trump, uh, but <laughs> yeah. But you know, right. we have. Uh, but Russia, most of their sea access is the Arctic. Right. Just not and very helpful. Not it's not very helpful. They have some down by Japan, North Korea, right. and they do have major navy facilities there. And then they have Baltic, you know, kind of access and then North Sea. And then, you know, they have the Black Sea. That's right. it. What else are they going to do? The, the, the Black and they're Sea. They're kind of limited. When they go through the Black Sea, they've got to go through the uh, yes, that's right. Right. Dardanelles there, right? Or whatever. And then when they go from their northern, port, you know, out to the Atlantic, they've got to go through the uh, by the Baltic nations and out through, you know, that it's area. A pain. It's, it's, it's a pain. It's kind of tight. You feel you feel micromanaged. Yeah, you feel micromanaged. It's just um, the nature of geography. It's you feel micromanaged. You know, and yeah, as right. opposed to like, okay, the United States, San Diego. Sure. No, that's a major Navy facility. Nobody's micromanaging that. Yeah, yeah. Well, not only does the U.S. have the East Coast, they have the West uh, Coast. That's right. That's right. Alaska. Alaska and then you've Hawaii. got you know, Korea. You've got, you know, they had ports in Korea, but you've got mm-hmm. Japan and Guam. all the you know, Okinawa. They have ports in there. And then they rent out ports mm-hmm. from like the British in the Indian Ocean, I believe, and other places, too. They've just got a lot of different naval it's not the Indian Ocean yes. anymore. It's the Native oh. American Ocean. Oh, okay, I'm okay. supposed to say Indian anymore. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's true. Probably we First have... Nations, wouldn't it be? <laughs> yeah, First Nations. There you go. Aboriginal, actually, in Canada. Aboriginal. Change. It's an Aboriginal ocean. There you go. But you know, the funny thing about China that we're having with China is that I've had, I've, you know, the, the Communist Party in China says it's called the South China Sea, so it's ours. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) it would be like, well, can you imagine if India said it's called the Indian Ocean? So it's ours, obviously. (laughs) I mean, hello, it's our ocean. Look what it's called. (laughs) I'm very alarmed by China. I've been trying to beat the warning drum again about China. I think quite a bit before, you know, people getting worried about it. And, And I was alarmed by russia too as well and i think the world's starting to wake up to what's going on there mm-hmm. and uh, 
I mean, it's good, but you know, like, and I'm concerned also as a Christian, because there's lots of Chinese Christians who end up getting persecuted and people hear a lot about the Uyghurs in Western China, but they don't hear a lot, you know, so much about Christians who are getting persecuted. And that's, uh, I'm, I'm sad a lot of times by a lot of Western Christians just don't seem to be particularly concerned by just how much suffering Christians experience around the world. I mean, in the West, the woke narrative is that Christians are the oppressors, right? But what many people don't realize is Christians outside of the Western world are some of the most persecuted people in the world. Um, and you just don't hear about it. A lot of Christians don't seem to be particularly concerned about that. And I think that should change. Yeah, I hear your concern. I want to add to it. And I'm not going to subtract to it at all. I, I just want to add to it yeah. that when I hear people, uh, uh, which is not a lot, but I mean, it's just, I hear what you're saying is we should be concerned about Christians being persecuted. Mm -hmm. I share that, mm -hmm. but that doesn't particularly move me as, as much as people being oppressed. Sure. And, and that's the that's the larger thing that I think people miss with China is that mm -hmm. average everyday Chinese people are oppressed from yeah. day one. And, and, yeah. and the kind of oppression it is, is particularly insidious because mm -hmm. it's the kind of oppression that you might not notice, mm -hmm. but you might start noticing later and you can't do anything about it. So I'll, I'll just uh, give a shout out to a podcast episode that interviewed, I forget her name. Um, she's very well-known Chinese lady who uh, it's not obviously not in China now, but it was from April 30th, 2020, the Pacific Century podcast. The Pacific Century podcast produced by Stanford University in California, Stanford University, the Pacific Century podcast, April 30th, 2020. And okay. the, the, what they do is they interview this Chinese lady who talks about what it's like to grow up under communist control. And mm. when they're very young, they're taught these songs, these traditional tunes but the traditional lyrics, like the Confucian lyrics, were changed to communist lyrics. So mm. it's like stuff like uh, the Communist Party is great. The com I, mean, I, I don't I don't know that I don't know the lyrics, but it's it's something like that. And it's something like the Communist Party is closer than your mom. The Communist Party is closer than your dad. So it's inserting the government between your parents. And so she says that even leaving, even though she's left and she is wide awake about the manipulation, she still feels warm feelings when she hears those tunes, because that's <laughs> how deeply embedded it is in like almost like a cellular level. Yeah. And maybe Christians could understand this. If you grew up in church and you heard the hymns mm. and maybe you didn't like the hymns when you were a kid, you know, but, but I feel very warm when I hear certain hymns. Mm, yeah, you know yeah, what yeah. I mean? So there's a warm feeling, you know, and it's kind of like amazing grace or something like that, but yeah, yeah, yeah. imagine amazing grace where you never heard the real amazing grace. You mm. never heard those words. They were changed to something else like communist yeah, yeah. propaganda. And then right. you, that's what you feel warm with. And imagine the, the mental torture of, it makes you feel warm, but you can see how sick it is. 
so it's it's um it's a very interesting podcast episode i highly recommend it april 30th 2020 uh the pacific century uh produced by stanford i have to listen to that yeah so that that i i I don't i'm not just concerned about christian suffering i'm concerned about people because people are yeah i know you i know you do i would that's why i was just adding it you your concern is with people obviously because look at what you do you're ministering to people you're you're reaching out to all kinds of people what kind of people have you reached out to what kind of experiences have you had Oh man, I've talked to a lot of different people. And I mean, I appreciate the way you put it because some people regard, you know, they would describe what I'm doing as proselytizing, right? And sometimes okay. that's a dirty word for certain people is like, you're taking away their culture. If I'm traveling to other parts of the world and trying to share my faith that I'm pushing my religion on them. But I think that's what you would say if you don't think Christianity is true. If it is true, there is a real God who deserves to be worshiped. And the most important thing we can do in our lives is give him the worship that he deserves and be made right with him through the death of Jesus's uh, uh, death on the cross. Right. Um, So that's a loving thing to do. Right. And I always believe like when I share with people, I'm not interested in pushing anything on anyone, but if people want to talk together or they want to listen to what I'm saying, I think there's good reasons to believe that Christianity is true. And so I'm just interested in sharing that with, with anybody, anybody that wants to hear it. I don't want to push anything on anyone any more than I would want them to push things on me. So I believe, and I even teach Christians when we want have these conversations, we need to take the time to listen to what other people believe and discuss and talk with them and with gentleness and respect, as it says in the Bible. So I've had the opportunity to talk a lot of different people. I've, I've, I'm fascinated a lot of times by trying to think or understand how people and why they think, how people think and why they think the way they do. So when I was in South Korea, I talked to Jehovah's Witnesses for about two years. Uh, when I, I've spent up quite a bit of time talking to Mormons. Uh, when I was in Southern California, I spent time doing that. And then also in other times and places too, as well. I did like two missions trips when I was at, at Biola to uh, Utah, and we actually got hosted by the Mormon church. That was a fun experience. So I spent a lot of time talking with Muslims. Interesting enough, I had an Afghani Muslim friend in South Korea. He was there. He had come there from Afghanistan. So we had some good conversations. When I did my undergrad at Ryerson University, the uh, no-name school that has a name, um, they, uh, I, I remember interacting with the Muslim student group and we set up a debate too as well. And so we had some interactions there, lots of stuff online. I've had, I've t- talked with, if you go to my Facebook page, uh, the ministry one is called worldview summit. So that has a lot of stuff going on, but on my own personal timeline too, as well, I, I have a lot of different people who interact. I've had, my friend Julie, who's kind of a secular kind of new age, she sometimes calls herself atheist person in South Cal- Southern California, she would interact. Um, then there's, you know, a few atheist friends, my atheist friend Chas, who lives in South Korea. Um, there's Darius, who lives in Canada, who says he's describes himself as communist or maybe atheist too as well. There was just a lot of different people. There's been, you know, I mentioned Muslims and stuff like that. So I think it's great in a sense that I think it's important for people from different worldviews and religions to be able to interact with each other. And sometimes it gets a bit testy, but um, 
I think we don't have enough dialogue between people of different worldviews and different religions and such. So I'm very glad to see that. And of course, I want to see all these different people become Christians because I'm convinced it's true, right? And I believe there's a real God that deserves our worship. But even if that doesn't why, why happen... Do you, think, why do you think it's true? Um, so for someone maybe who's listening to this and they might think, okay, I think I have this Peter guy under uh, nailed down. I think I understand. He He believes Christianity is true. Okay, got it. Okay. But he was convinced it was true before he got his training. In other right. words, he didn't get his training. And then he was like, Oh, look at this argument. Oh my gosh. I'm a Christian now. Yeah. No, I mean, you went to Biola, that's a Christian school. So obviously right. you already had Christian beliefs. Is Ryerson a Christian school? No, no. Oh, okay. Well, they can't use that against you. Did you grow up Christian? Well, my parents are Christian, right? But I think okay. it was, you know, at some. Did you convert them, or did they convert you? <laughs> uh, neither. Well, I don't know if they converted me. I'm sure. Were you like you came? You were born. You were Christian when you were born, and then your parents were atheist, and then you converted them as a baby. Uh, yeah, not quite. <laughs> I don't know. You did that coming out of the womb, but I, don't I think did. I yeah, did. that's right. <laughs> I had glasses <laughs> when I came out of the womb. I had glasses. Uh, okay and they were like impressive. i've never seen a baby with glasses before come out of the womb how did that what is going on they were like and so i was cleaning my glasses you know because it's kind of messy okay. okay i was using right. the, the 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 nurses you know to clean my glasses using the and, nurses you know the Sporting. nurse their their uh blouse i was using the oh, nurse's okay. blouse okay. to was clean my glasses okay. and i cut my own umbilical cord Perfect. And Did you come out with a like, knife, your own knife, to cut it, or was it no? Scissors? They had a, they had scissors, and, they gave and scissors. I was like, "Let's let's get going here. Let's talk about Christianity." Wow. Are you a Christian oh, nurse? Are you're you a Christian? Are you Christian too? <laughs> I was I a Christian you're... when I was born. I was. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought you're an atheist. So I. Uh, We're going to totally I... confuse your listeners or my <laughs> listeners. Uh, my <laughs> listeners are not going to be confused. I don't think because they're okay. used to me, but. If you share this and then people listen to this, they'll be like, what in the world is going on over there (laughs) now? um, What, how, how many countries have you been to? Well, does uh, being in the airport count traveling through? (laughs) Yes. Yes. It counts. All right. Well, I've been in Canada, us, did a little trip to Mexico Lived in California for several years when I was at Biola. I lived in Australia for a year, did a little trip to New Zealand. Uh, lived in Korea for quite a while. Been to China, did a trip to Japan. Uh, spoken in Indonesia and Cambodia. I was through the airport, I think, in Kuala Lumpur. And that's uh, Malaysia. Uh, li- yeah, um, Japan. Went through the air- Moscow airport. Don't recommend that. It was nowhere to sit down. Wasn't very much very nice. So I was in Russia, I guess, because it was an airport. Okay, so Czech Republic. I'm actually a Czech citizen because my mom is from Czech Republic. So I've dual oh. Czech and Canadian citizenship. Really? So yeah, I just got my have to renew my passport the other day. I was in the embassy here. So Czech Republic, Poland, Slovakia. Slovakia used to be part of Czechoslovakia. It was there when I was a kid and it was still communist. That was kind of interesting to, to remember that. Um, we were flew you, into you, West. Did you say that you lived in a communist country when you were a kid? No, no, we didn't live there. We just because we were visiting my mom's relatives. So uh, this was 1980s. It was still, you know, Eastern Bloc 
aligned with the Soviet Union and we visited relatives. So I still kind of remember what it was like in Czechoslovakia. It's now the Czech Republic and Slovakia, two separate countries. But I remember being in a communist country at the time. And, you know, I've- What, what, what is your me- memory of that? Did, well, you know, I was a kid, so I wouldn't have very sophisticated, you know, geopolitical thoughts, but I remember thinking their clothes <laughs> look funny and the cars look all look old. Why are all the cars looking old? And uh, there was no commercials on TV. So that was kind of interesting, kind of good. But, you know, the shows were kind of different. They didn't have like, you know, the cartoons that I had growing up. They just had, you know, their stuff. And so in I other do words, also- it was lame. What you're saying is it was <laughs> communism is lame. Okay, I, I'm, I'm definitely not a fan of communism, but, you know, not having commercials on TV, that's, you know, I can't say every single thing was bad, right? But there's, there was, my relatives all, you know, are pretty well, the younger generation, same thing here in Georgia, younger generation are all very happy that they're not communists anymore. Some of the older generation have nostalgia for the day when they, everybody had a job and the food was really cheap. But of course, like here in Georgia, they'll say there was no food in the stores. Like, yeah, it was cheap. But, you know, you had empty shelves most of the time, right? And then, of course, there was all the repression of Christianity persecution. Like, I literally have my mom's cousin who just passed away. Her first husband disappeared, and he was a pastor. They, My mom's cousin really believes the communists basically took him out. They killed him. But then they made a big show of trying to find him. They got a helicopter. But she really believes the communists killed him because they kind of would leave you alone as a Christian if you weren't influencing anybody. But if your church was growing or something was happening and you had the potential to influence people and then they didn't like that and they would take you out. And, and of course, if you were a Christian, you couldn't become a teacher in Czechoslovakia, probably here too. And if you wanted to join the communist party, you had to say you're atheist and the communist party was your ticket to get all the good stuff, right? If you weren't part of the party, then you didn't get, you know, the good things in society. So, you know, there was all kinds of bad things that happened during the communist era. And still like North Korea has incredible suffering today. And there's, you know, people don't have enough food. Christians there face all kinds of persecution and hardship. So that's, in one hand, when I talk about, you know, Christians in the West are, you know, I, I talked about the University of Toronto and it's not that good to be Christian there. Things are changing in the West. Things are becoming harder. If you're a Christian who actually believes the Bible is true, especially in Canada, you're a minority and increasingly despised minority. But they're not nearly as bad as, you know, what would happen in North Korea today or what happened during the communist era in the Soviet Union or Eastern Europe or in the Muslim world or Saudi Arabia. Like it's still very good for us relative to that. Right. Well, and again, my concern is it's not necessarily for the quality of life for Christians. It's about what that does to people. Like it, it makes it harder for people to yeah, live, sure. right? I mean, because they have, they can't entertain as well. The There's clearly a bias against uh, the truth of the biblical religion yeah, and theology right. and on all the implicate, all the logical implications of that. Right. And mm-hmm. so it, it, that, I think what that, what, what ends up happening is, is if the Christian worldview 
provides the best hope for flourishing in human life mm-hmm. well which would that would have to be the case if god created the world and it really is true mm-hmm. then those things that are in line with the christian story properly in line in terms of economics in terms of politics in terms of uh, human rights um then that would be what makes people flourish helps people flourish and you see those places in in the world where there's the least flourishing those are the ones that have the most alienation i would say and sometimes hostility toward from and toward the christian worldview would you say that's correct yeah I mean, if you look at countries that uh, have some of the most respect for human rights, um, who have a lot of freedom of speech, who have a high standard of living, a lot of those is like Europe, or at least Western Europe, but mm-hmm. increasingly Eastern Europe. There's a residue. And North yeah. America, and mm-hmm. Australia, New Zealand, you know, and those are historically Christian nations, or at least have had a lot of influence of Christianity yes. on them. Right? There's a thick residue, heard- yeah. And I've heard even uh, Muslims have, and I don't remember exactly tonight, they have basically created a Muslim declaration of human rights in response to the United Nations Declaration of Human Rights. Mm. And a lot of that they've done because they've said, you know, human rights as declared by the United Nations is sometimes described by these Muslims as a secularized ethic of Christianity. Mm-hmm. And they don't agree with it. And so they've created their own version. I think a lot of people in the West don't realize how much they've inherited from a Christian worldview and how much the way we think has been affected by that. And they don't like hearing that because they don't like Christianity in many cases. Now (laughs) I want to grant though, too, as well, Korea, I lived there a number of years. It's a wonderful place to live. Japan is also a wonderful place. It's not a hard and fast thing. But, you know, you could also somebody who wanted to counter that point and talk about the merits of Christianity could say, well, Japan was basically the modern form of Japan is what it is because the United States defeated Japan in war, set up a system there that basically brought in a lot of American values. And these American values have been influenced by a Christian worldview. And that is part of, you could say, is part of what makes Japan a wonderful place to live today. Even South Korea has had... U.S. troops there under the auspices of the United Nations and has had a lot of influence from that, but also because they're next to Japan, they've get influenced by Japan, and they also just have been aligned with the United States. And then Christianity has grown quite a bit in South Korea. So you could say there's been a fair bit of influence there too. But I, I also want to grant like Russia is you know, an Eastern Orthodox Christian country for hundreds of years, and it's not doing that well either, right? So, and South America and Central America is Catholic Christianity. And, you know, it's not, I mean, it's not bad, but, and it's, those are, there's a lot of different countries there, but, you know, they're not, a lot of people would say they're not flourishing quite as much as other parts of the world, right? So it's, I I don't want to make it a kind of a, you well, know, there's overstate a, the case. Either, yes. Right? And, and when you're worried about, and I'm not saying you are, I'm just saying when, when people in an international context um, are, are we still alive? Okay. 
<laughs> when when you might have an international audience, for example, um, some there there is uh, maybe sometimes a worry that. And again, I'm not saying this is you. I'm just noticing in my experience that there seems to be sometimes a worry about um, making people feel bad about where they're from or something as if that is a part of their identity. That mm -hmm. any, any mistakes that their country has made or their culture or something like that. Um, I, I, don't, I don't think of individuals like that. I think of individuals as made in the image of God and bearers of sure. human rights. And, and the, every culture, every country has room for improvement. And sure. let's just start yeah. there. So I, you know, that's, that's what I think. And I think that, um, depending on what you're talking about, some countries are doing better right now. And it is interesting, the complex story. So for example, the Japan, Japan is an, it's just an odd place to me. <laughs> Can I jump in for one minute? I just sure, want to yeah. agree with you said and, and say, I agree also too, that all people are made in the image of God. So all yes. people have value and regardless yeah. of their race or nationality. And so when I, that's and right. I think that's a very important distinction to make when we talk about some country not, you know, flourishing or doing as yes. well in yeah, the right. place where they live, that doesn't, there's a difference between that and the value and worth of each individual person, right? Yes. Like ideas right. in countries, North Korea can be a bad place to live. Afghanistan, right. that doesn't mean the people are bad. The people no, are no, no, God's no. image. And I want to just express no, no. that. that uh, yeah, yeah. And I, I, I totally, I think it's, Sometimes I agree. I'm glad you said that too. Yeah. Um, it's um, sometimes it's hard for me to remember. This is an international podcast, <laughs> but it's focused obviously on American politics, but, but the interest will be wide ranging because anybody who is interested in American politics will be all over the world, right? Because of you know, you saw in the last election or the two elections before that or whatever that's going back in American history, it's a really important thing to keep track of what America is doing and and mm. and yeah. uh, it, it does influence people where they live. Absolutely. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and when I travel around the world, one thing I've noticed when I turn on the news, I don't always understand what they're saying because yeah. it's in a different language. But very often you see American politics and what's happening on America sure. on the news. You don't hear about Canada. You don't hear about the Czech Republic because yeah. we're just not as influential in the world. But what happens right. in America yeah. definitely is heard all around the world and it forms That's right. all over the world. So what you guys are doing in the U.S. you know, matters. And I'm glad that uh, people care about what's going on in the government, people like you. Yeah. And that's why I'm doing the podcast is because I feel like, uh, I have a responsibility yeah. to help shape the United States sure. uh, politics. And, and I, I don't know, just even as in a small way, I, I don't know how this will be used by the Lord. I don't know. I hope it's, it's used positively and wonderful, but, but I just, um, I, I am cognizant more and more that there are international listeners. Right. I know we have listeners in Africa okay. and I'm certain that there are listeners in Canada and Australia and Europe, right. but it's not very many, but, but it might grow. Um, so 
I, yeah, I, I always make the distinction, but I also don't want to pander to people and make them make people feel like they're so sensitive that they can't have a normal discussion about things, but which is obviously not true. But and going back to, to Japan, Japan is an odd place. I've been there several times and um, I'm not sure if I can figure it out. Um, it seems like there's a lot of things that are Japanese that are um, distinct things distinctly japanese things that even predate world war ii but after world war ii yes the political uh the constitution of the place the political uh, uh skeleton you might want to say that was replaced uh in world after world war ii mm -hmm. uh was very american uh, I, and I, I, it's kind of odd to say very American. I mean, it's either American or it's not, but it was General MacArthur. I mean, mm -hmm. General MacArthur was a Republican. A lot of people don't know that he was mm -hmm. not a Democrat. He was a Republican. Okay. And he's a he's a huge responsibility for that. And um, he was fired by President Truman over a disagreement about Korea right. and the Korean issue. I, I'll just point this out. Just a simple thing. It's not very complicated. People can ch chase this down. But if the United States had not intervened in the Korean Peninsula, South Korea would be the same as North Korea is now. Yeah. yeah. That's what it would be like there. Yeah. And it was a, it was basically the Chinese Communist Party that was responsible for North Korea because it was Chinese troops that were fighting Americans. Yeah. That, so in the in first part of the war, China wasn't part of it. But then as after the UN forces landed and US soldiers were the bulk of that, they yeah. got up close to the Chinese border and That's then right. China decided to invade. And then it ended up pushing the uh the line yeah. of, of uh, the fire yeah. you know south and then it ended up where it and, is and who knows what Japan would be like or the rest of Asia had we not won World War II. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they're very different. It's impossible to tell. I have no idea. But when you go to to it would be a lot of suffering. I know that <laughs> I I mean, for. So in Japan, what what always sticks out to me in Japan is just the technology everywhere. It's like mm -hmm. everything is flashy and in multiple colors and it hurts my eyes and it just seems like it's uh like you might go to like a, a steakhouse or something or just something to get something to eat and the menu is the kind of colors that you would never see in america it's like bright orange and green and just the bright weird colors it's like magic yeah. marker like you're highlighting and and it it's just stuff like that that i just find odd but uh, but uh, the the Japanese people, yeah. The, well, my impression is it's very clean and people are very friendly in terms of yes, customer very service. Polite. They, come in, they smile at you. Sure, they announce yeah. the store you're in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Korea's kind of like that, but not quite to the same extent. They're very polite okay. in public. They don't yeah. get upset and stuff like that. And I I like being there. I remember people just very kind. I remember my I was walking down the street and my jacket fell out of my backpack because somehow it was unzipped. And this lady, you know, she ran like a hundred meters with a baby carriage, getting my jacket to give it back to me because she knew I had lost it over there. Just very oh, nice of her. I got a story for you for Japan. Okay. I took a, a taxi and I had about $2,000 worth of yen 
in my wallet. And I got to the uh, motel that I was staying at, the little hotel, and the guy took off. I had left my wallet in the taxi. Okay. Yeah. I actually have two stories for Japan, two okay. for the price of one. All right. I got arrested in Japan one time. Oh. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you that story. I'll tell you the story. So these are two separate tor- stories, two different parts of Japan. This is in South Japan. And a bunch of, you know, basically Japanese is like slow drawl, like, boy, you don't even know where part of Japan you in, boy. <laughs> you in South Japan, boy. Okay. So anyway, um, no, but this guy came back like 20 minutes later with all the money in my wallet. Uh, and he said, you, you, and I was like, I was so surprised. I, at that hotel, I mean, that tells you a lot. I mean, it might've just been that one guy, but I suspect it was actually kind of a, more of a cultural thing. But um, the other thing That's about Japan, right. yeah. The other thing about Japan is they don't speak English. What the heck? What's wrong with these people? <laughs> I go in there and, and I, and I say, where's the bathroom? And she says, hi. I said, is this the, is this the bathroom? She says, hi. And I said, hi. Um, I got to go. Is this the, the bathroom? She goes, hi. Yeah. For those I who said, don't know, hi is Japanese for yes. Was that it this whole time? <laughs> I thought she kept saying yeah. hello to me. And I was like, hello. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know. I have to go to the bathroom here, man. I'm like, and she just is like, hi. She's friendly. She's and I'm like, friend. hello. So we did this for like 20 minutes. I'm like dancing around. I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> And I'm like, is this the bathroom? Hi. And I'm like, hello. <laughs> you know, anyway. Okay. Well, that's a stupid story. But anyway, well, you're, you're that, right actually, that actually did honest. happen. That actually okay. did happen many times. And oh. I enjoyed every second of it. Okay. Uh, so uh, then I. It's true. Though, I don't I know if I should tell there you. There are the, very the honest people. My American friend, Sim, he's married to a Japanese girl. And he once found. 20 bucks or 20 yen or something like that on the street or something like that. So in Canada, America, if you find it on the street, it's like, it's yours, right? Like, how do you know who, how it got there? Well, he went home and told his wife 20 yen. He got his wife was mad at him. She's like, she's like, you should have taken that to the local little police station because someone could come by later to ask for it. You don't just take 20 yen because it's lying in the street. It's not yours. That's their mentality. If you find something on the ground, you find a, they have these little police pillboxes everywhere and you take it and you leave it there for someone to come and claim it later on. So it's just a lot of like honesty in that way. That's very interesting. Um, culture, cultural discussions are always so interesting to me because um, I'm just, it, I just find them humorous. The way I look at people, I, okay, can you imagine uh, being accused of theft? And your, your legal defense is I'm Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> Did this really happen? And they're like, oh, shoot, sorry, not, I'm not guilty. <laughs> As if there's no, th- there's, n- there's never been a Japanese thief ever. That does, doesn't exist. It's not even illegal there because you're Japanese. Hello. <laughs> now, I mean, but you know, the, the human, take, for example, uh, Cain and Abel in the Bible. What culture were they from? What nationality? You know, I mean, those details are not given, but they're people, they're humans. And Cain developed in his heart 
an evil desire to mistreat another human being. And mm -hmm. he did. Mm -hmm. And I, I think that no matter what we think about culture, we if you look at the human heart, the, the issues of mistreatment, the issues of culture are definitely important. I mean, you can train little kids from the time they're little and probably mo if you do statistical analysis, most of them will be like, okay, fine. But, but the human heart is still um, <clears throat> um, sinful, right? And we all need a savior. And that's mm -hmm. what I love about the Christian story. I guess I, I won't tell you the Japanese. Well, should I tell you the Japanese uh, arrest? Uh, it's up to you. Um, I, okay, I, I will. I will because I, I had too much to drink and I found myself wandering off, right, ba right. off base. It was on base. And I remember doing this yeah. with the fence and it was cold. It was, it was in Northern Japan. And I found myself off base. There was a hole in the fence apparently. And I was out on the town and I, I broke into, I don't recall this very well, but I do remember mistaken, mistaking a building for my building. Although I kind of knew it wasn't my building because it was so dark and it would just look different. And, I, but I was just like, so lost. And what happened was I had the types of drinks I'm very sensitive to if I mix different kind of alcohol. Well, I found this out later. Like if, okay. if there's a whiskey and a, a vodka, don't ever do that. Or whiskey and a, um, oh, okay. what do you call it? Um, uh, what's the, what's the Mexican tequila, tequila. Don't ever do that. Okay. So anyway, I was really young at the time. I didn't know what I was doing, <clears throat> but I was still responsible for it. So I'm not saying I wasn't responsible. So anyway, I, it turned out it was a dental office, I think, because, or some kind of medical thing, because I got in there and I don't know how I got in there. I think the door might've been unlocked. Actually, the people don't lock their doors in Japan <laughs> and uh, I'm sitting there on the, the, uh, the bed and the, the paper, you know, the medical paper was on the bed. That's what I remember was like, this is not my bed. Next thing, you know, big bright light in my face. Oh, no, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, you know, and I, I don't speak Japanese, so I don't know what they were saying, but it didn't sound like they were very happy with me being there. <laughs> so anyway, the police took me in. <clears throat> I was talking to the policeman. One guy was holding the flashlight. The other guy was yelling at me and then there was another guy that was talking to me and i i just was like i i think i said burger king at one point i don't know how long we were talking but i said burger king because i knew the place i was staying the hotel i was at was near a burger king uh, and he and it, and so all of a sudden they were like burger king burger king that's the only thing i understood so next thing you know i'm being i'm being driven to the burger king <laughs> so they didn't okay. arrest you or anything or no i did i was arrested but i oh, wasn't okay. charged i was charged. Oh, okay they they brought me to the burger king because they didn't know what to do with me <laughs> okay. okay so he he was doing me a favor is my oh. point like did he they could have they could have clearly no it was before burger king was open oh, okay so burger king was closed i remember sitting there in the i got out 
and I tried to pay the guy. I tried to give the guy money, the, yeah. the policeman. Okay. Yeah. I almost got arrested for that because <laughs> again, because the look on his face, this is the whole point of the story yeah. was if you link it with the taxi story, the look on his face was like, I had just peed on his mother's grave. Wow. It was that. And it was like a $10, $10 of yen. Basically, it wasn't that much. Okay. It was enough to, you know, but he, he looked at me like you idiot, you, you know, dirty American. Or yeah. Something. Just you idiot, <laughs> you know, anyway. So, um, I sat on that, uh, curb there. I was just, pr- I had prayed. I, I left that part out. I was so scared. I had prayed. And then <laughs> that's actually the main point. The main point isn't the bribe thing. It was, it was like I had prayed and then the guy decided to take me to Burger King instead of put me in jail. Fascinating. So uh, then I got, I saw the Burger King people, the Japanese people open up the Burger King and I, I was the first customer and they let me in and I got some French toast sticks and the French toast sticks were the best French toast sticks I had ever, ever had. And I wow. used the $10 that I was going to give the guy. So anyway, that's my, so, um, it a good. How long were you in Japan? You were stationed there with the military, right? Well, I would pop in and out here and there for things, and uh, it was so you weren't of, there that long, but you were just temporarily in Japan. Temporarily there, yeah. I never lived there for extended period of time, but I just got snapshots of of the area. So, by the way, you know, earlier on you asked me other countries you've been to. I, I missed some uh, Western European countries. There's like, oh, okay. You know, France, UK, Netherlands, Poland, and then Italy. Yeah. And then I've also been to Senegal, Africa, and Brazil and South America. So I don't want to leave those out. You know, there's a good Senegal, Senegal, Africa. Yeah. That's West Africa. Right. French West Africa. And you've been to Brazil. Yep. Okay. How many languages do you speak? Well, I'm, I'm a native English speaker, but, and that's the only language I'm native in. Technically my mother tongue is Czech in the sense that it was the first language I learned. I spoke it with my mom until I was like six years old. And then we stopped speaking Czech at home. So it's, uh, I'm not a native Czech speaker, but you might say I'm fluent. If I go there and I speak for a few weeks, I improve really quickly. It's funny. Like, it's like a lot of times it's more like remembering words or they just stick in my mind a lot easier. So it, it feels, it feels great to learn Czech because it goes so fast. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, uh, you know, having lived in Korea for a while, I've got some Korean and it's still not that good. I tried to like develop, you know, good pronunciation and stuff like that and intonation. So then I learned a tiny bit of Chinese. Um, and then I, <laughs> which, which part <laughs> ER San <laughs> Yeah. Something like that. Right. You well, can sure, I am a, Wow. Canada, Canadian. Wow. Is it Canada or Canada? I think it's Canada. Canada. So then I I remember learning the Arabic alphabet, but oh, in Canada, we learned French in school. So I've got some, you know, that that helped out when I was in Senegal, Africa, um, because, but, you know, I could use some French. It's kind of back there too. After Czech, French is my next best language, probably, although French and Korean, yeah, probably French is still better than Korean. Um, and then now I'm just learning a little bit of Georgian because, uh, 
you know, living here. Kartuli is the way they say it. They don't, they don't call it oh. uh, Georgian. And, and the so country how, is, how do you spell that? How do you spell the language? I don't know. Well, they have their own language. They have their own alphabet. It's kind of all squiggly. Is it Cyrillic? No, it's not. It's their own language. Oh. Georgian is not related to any other languages, too. It's its own. Internally, there's like four or five other languages here that are related in the country for different ethnic groups. But Georgian is not related to any other languages. They've got their own alphabet. It's really? not Cyrillic or anything else. So, yeah, it's and they've got some sounds that are in your throat that are a little hard. I was just learning today how to say the number four. Erti Orisami is one, two, three. But then four is like. You're not cussing, are you? I, no, I hope There's not. no cussing on this show. They could have tricked me, but I, they told me that was number four. I still haven't got the throat sound. They've got like three different throat sounds going there. So. It's, it'll be a while before I've got my Georgian going. So you speak Czech. I speak cash. They don't speak cash in Japan. I got it. I, I think I'm getting debit. it. Debit. <laughs> um, what's it like living in Georgia? Uh, what, how did you get there? Why are you there? Uh, yeah, what are we, you there? What's it like? Good question. It, it was um, last year, you know, my wife and I were talking about getting, we're getting, we were engaged and congratulations. Through, well, I'm married now, but last year. Congratulations. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah, we got married last February. I say uh, the same well, thing to everybody. They say, okay. I'm not married. I say, congratulations. Okay, wonderful. And well, then they say, I'm human. Congratulations. <laughs> well, congratulations to you too, because you're human, right? I am made, made in the image of God. Well, congratulations. That's Thank wonderful. you. It's good to hear. <laughs> and you live in California, right? Whoa. I do. So, okay, okay so you're saying um how did you get to georgia get what to is georgia? it like so yeah, yeah. my wife and i were thinking she's wanted to go to korea for a long time because that's been a dream of hers but during the pandemic i guess we're still kind of in the pandemic she uh do they it, wear it masks do they wear masks there in georgia yeah 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 and actually they wanted we i was surprised when i got here you had to wear masks outside too and i got stopped by a cop shortly after getting out of the ho or quarantine hotel and he told me to put it on and he was nice enough but i i thought people were just wearing it because they were zealous to wear masks outside but no you're right. supposed to be outside too so that uh, was a little bit weird do you have but to get now, vaccinated do you have to get a vaccine um they did have uh vaccine passports for a while but you know georgians are very have been very reluctant to get the vaccine because what happened Early on when they, you know, like this story, early on when the vaccines came out. Now, I'm not saying this because I'm anti-vaccine or anything like that. I have nuanced views. Um, I've got one dose, probably going to get the second dose soon. I, I've got COVID three times. So anyway, mm. uh, when if the you want to tell, if you want to tell us a little bit about that, that we'd like to hear. Okay, I will. But uh, when, when the vaccine first came out, they wanted to show Georgians, this is safe, you can do it. So they had people on TV getting the vaccine um, administered to them to show everybody, hey, you know, this, there's nothing wrong with this. Your arm Get doesn't fall out. Yeah. Right. Well, they did it to a nurse. And after getting, right after getting the vaccine shot, she collapsed and went into anaphylactic shock and died in the hospital shortly afterwards. Oh my gosh. So when that news of that spread across the country, that didn't exactly instill a lot of confidence in this vaccine. Yeah. So, and YouTube's going to take this video down now <laughs> for, the, for oh, that, 
Okay, well, they always find some way to censor all right, well, the truth. Maybe you could edit don't this worry, part. Don't worry, don't worry. No, no, we post unedited. Okay, all right. Yeah, well, I so again, ahead. I'm not trying to say whether I'm not a, in all honesty, I'm not against vaccines. I'm not. I've just nuanced views. I'm just saying what happened yeah. here, right? Well, that's like saying, uh, you know, I don't do push-ups, but I do sit-ups and pull-ups. But I'm not. I, I have a nuanced view. I'm not against exercise. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously, I mean, it's just one thing. I mean, it's not the whole thing. Okay, all right, all right. That's how I, so, that's how I look at because I have I have a vaccine card. Okay. I've, I've had a vaccine card for since I was a little kid and it's oh. got the vaccines. Of course, I'm not. A, I, I mean, everybody here gets oh, vaccinated at some oh, point. Okay. Right. But yeah, the question yeah, yeah. is, what are you getting vaccinated against and, and who made that and what went into that specific thing? And how yeah. how much has that been? How how much of a track record does that specific thing have? And yeah, also, yeah. is there any censorship about that thing? And there is a lot of censorship about that thing. My flags go up as soon as there's censorship. As far yeah. as I know, there's no censorship about mumps, measles, and rubella, or um, the TTB, whatever it is, or. Um, polio i don't know about any censorship if i did know about censorship with polio vaccine i would be very concerned sure. about future i already have it but so i can't do anything about it but i also know that i have never gotten polio so <laughs> yeah, yeah um no, anyway, anyway I, I understand where you're coming from i could talk a lot because i i see stuff on both sides and i have concerns but I, neither would i say i'm like I'm not on one side or the other completely. And I have a, I, I appreciate the points you're making and stuff like that, but I, without trying to get into all of that, I'm just saying this is the situation in Georgia. So they you, did you have, do have to wear a mask. You had to wear it outside. You still are supposed to do it too. Although if you're not around other people, most people don't care and such. Right. And we don't have the vaccine passport anymore. We had it for a few months and then they stopped doing that. Of course, Praise God. here, one of the interesting things is if you recovered from the from COVID, then that counts as at least one dose, if not fully vaccinated. I'm not sure because I got one vaccine dose and then I recovered. And so that counts as fully vaccinated. So you basically can get a little, you know, thing on your phone that you can then use to get into everywhere. So it you know, oh, wow. that, I think that makes sense too, as well, in my opinion, in terms of how, you know, that's some, some, not something that they had, did in Canada, but I think they Do should. you want to talk about your experience? I know that sure. you got sick in a different country. Do you want to talk about that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was uh, a COVID celebrity for a little while because mm -hmm. I was one. I was, of the I was one of your fans. I was watching. Okay. <laughs> I was one of the first people to get COVID. I got COVID at, uh, it was around March, 2020. So that's just when everything really started going to lockdown all over the world and stuff like that. And people stopped just thinking this is in just one part of the world. This is just China. And they, you know, everybody started. So I was in the hospital for three weeks and I actually had a pretty serious condition. Um, you know, God was good. I recovered and I've got it twice since then. But that first experience was scary because I, ended up sick and it was weird because during the night my fever would go up high but during the day my fever was practically gone and I would feel fine I'd be like wow well not totally fine but pretty good and then the night before I ended up in the hospital um I 
had really weird experience. I woke up in the middle of the night about two o'clock. I, oh no, first before that, I woke up like every hour for two or three times and I was sweating so much. The whole bed was wet with sweat. And I would move over to a dry spot, wake up another hour later, it was wet with sweat again and did third time. Mm. And then it was around two or 2 a.m. or 3 a.m. I woke up and then uh, just felt really weird. Like my heart was beating funny. My hands were like numb and tingly at the same time. Mm. My leg, I felt warm, but there was like a cool spot on my calf. And, and had you just, ever felt anything like this before? Not, not as that I can remember. Okay. And I think I was having, you know, a little bit of probably shortness of breath, but I have some asthma, mild asthma. So I didn't T know. How tell much us I was where you were again, Jakarta, Indonesia. And I was standing with staying with a very nice Indonesian family. Mm -hmm. And I was like, am I going to have a heart attack? Am I about to die here? Because should I wake them up? I don't want to wake up my host at two o'clock in the morning for no good reason. Maybe I should just lie here and I'll go away. And fortunately I fell asleep after about two hours. And then when I woke up, I felt better, but I told the, the, the wife of the couple that I was staying with what happened. And we had already been to the doctors once or twice. And they, they, you know, anyway, we went back that day, they said I had dengue fever. So I got put into the hospital that day. That was a Saturday. By Monday, they, uh, told me I had a septic infection. And, and if our listeners aren't familiar with sepsis, that's serious. Like you look online, you, you, they'll tell you like 25, 30% of the people who get sepsis die. So my family was very concerned. My brother was wondering whether he should fly out to uh, Jakarta to like be with me for my dying hours. Um, but I didn't progress that bad. If I had, it was more of a, you know, I assume I had it. The doctor told me I had it. So, you know, doctors don't want to know it was mild or like, and I say this because I had, we had a, I kind of a medical friend, a doctor friend. He actually administered a hospital. He came to visit me. He was, he had, he was Indonesian, but trained in the U S. So I valued his uh, opinion as well. And he, he looked at me and said, mm, you know, he, he was a little wondering whether I had sepsis because he said I was too coherent for that. So he was not so sure. Anyway, um, or at least it wasn't very advanced, but it, it was serious. And then, it, then they just found your, out how your philosophy training really helped you. <laughs> Apparently you that your philosophy training made you coherent. And so he thought you didn't have <laughs> this horrible yeah. condition. And so you're like, I, no, no, you don't understand. I am sick. I am if sick. I, I had, if I didn't get the philosophy training, I would be incoherent. <laughs> That's right. But please treat right. me. Don't, don't please give me the treatment. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, then, then they found out, you know, this was early days of COVID. They didn't know a lot. They didn't have these, they weren't giving COVID tests to everyone like now. And they, it wasn't until they did a chest X-ray, decided it had an infection in there that essentially had pneumonia. Then they decided that they better do a COVID test. And then when they did that COVID test, I didn't get the results for like five days. I felt like this is way too long to wait. Right. And, but that's the way it was at the time. Anyway, because I had sepsis, they gave me a very strong antibiotic. And then that cure cleaned up a lot of the stuff because I felt horrible. Like I, you know, especially at night and they, like they told me one time I was like supposed to be confined to bed. I wasn't supposed to even get up to use the washroom, but I'm like, I don't even know how to use a bedpan. I'm not, I'm not going to, I don't, I'm going to get up and use the oh, washroom is Canadian for bathroom for your listeners who don't know. That's how we, or toilet for, you know, the Brits or something. Anyway. So I love I was, the, the Brits just get right to it. They're like, let's just call it what it is. Come on. 
<laughs> well, they also you're not, you're not washing. You're not washing in there. You're you're not bathing. You're it's not a bathroom. You're not resting. It's not a restroom. Yeah, that's why they they're the originator of the English language. They get it right. They <laughs> they know what they're talking about there. Water closet, what they used to. That's weird though. W C water closet. Like yeah. what is put water in a closet? That's just strange. Toilet makes sense. Anyway, so I I was pretty bad those first few days there. Um, and then they gave me that strong antibiotic. And then, you know, after a few days, I felt a lot better, but my COVID test came back positive after it was about more than a week, a week and two days, I guess. So then I post that online and then, you know, my mom got everybody praying. She said like, literally there was like a thousand people praying for me, you know? And of course it's because everybody's hearing about this COVID on the news and I'm like the first person they know that's got it. So yeah, I got a lot of attention and Christians who know praying for me. And I'm, I'm very grateful for that. The thing is by the time everybody finds out I have COVID, I was feeling a lot better. Right. And they put me in an isolation ward or an isolation room. But after two weeks, you know, I was still testing positive for COVID, but they needed that room because those other people were a lot more sick. I didn't really have any more symptoms anymore. And they wanted me to go stay in my embassy. They're like, do you have like, call, you know, the Canadian embassy, is there like some isolation room? Well, the Canadian embassies, they're not fancy like US, maybe US embassies have that. I don't know. But the Canadian embassy is like, no, we don't have anything no. like that. No. So, um, you know, they, they didn't know hospital. what to do with me, yeah. right? Like, because they, anyway, what ended up happening, happening is I post this online and this very, this basically I had a, a Canadian friend there who had lived in Australia and different places. Her brother taught at one of the schools I spoke at. I just met him briefly. He was in Canada, but he still had an apartment in Jakarta, Indonesia. And he basically said, no one's living there. You can stay there as long as you like. And it was such a huge blessing. You know, suddenly I went from, they didn't, they wanted to get me out of the hospital and I didn't have, but where do I go? Like if I can't ask a friend to let me stay there because what if I'm still infectious? I can make someone else infected, right? And I mean, am I going to rent a hotel for like how many weeks before I stop being contagious? Or like nobody knows. These are early days of COVID, right? So where am I supposed to? They're not going to let me on the plane if I've tested positive still for COVID, even though I'm free of symptoms for like two weeks. So it was just a I, huge I, blessing. To yeah, I remember the pictures. Nice looking. Apartment. I was looking at the pictures and from you in the hospital, I think I saw a picture and it yeah. looked like somebody was in like a NASA suit dealing with you. I don't know if that's the same picture yeah, yeah. or something else, but I just remember thinking, gosh, they're, they're really wigging out here and I'm not sure why. Um, yeah, no, but, they would come in with like full body armor. You know, <laughs> like it's a, a little, it was, that's all. It was a little odd to me. I thought. But, yeah, well, you know, early days of COVID, they didn't know and they didn't want it. They didn't know what was going on, how bad it was going to get, how it was going to spread. Yeah. So, so I don't blame them. Although I do remember, you know, it was annoying. They would bring my food in because they had to get all suited up to bring the stuff in. And then I remember them bringing some porridge for me to eat, but forgetting to give me a spoon or even a fork or anything, right? So then I'd buzz them and be like, I need a spoon, but they wouldn't want to come back and bring it. They'd be like, wait three hours because it takes them all this work to put the whole gown on. Right. 
and they didn't want to do this. They wanted to wait till they had to do their rounds again. So here I'm in with my porridge and no way to eat it. So I got to wait three hours for my spooning. That's it was, weird. It was to me, I that's mean, weird. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> paranoia to me. I, I don't know what the paranoia is. I The way I was thinking of it was, I think people, the health officials were assuming it had escaped from a lab. That's my assumption because I don't, you treat a bioweapon that way. You don't treat like a strain of the flu that way. I don't well, think so. But to be I think, fair, you know, early days, I'd say it's better to be more cautious and careful. And you don't want something like COVID spreading throughout your whole hospital. Then who wants to go to the hospital if everybody's getting sick from COVID at the hospital? And they, they've got to be able to treat other things. And I mean, I got pretty bad from it, you know, like sepsis. Mm -hmm. It's hard to know. Like, I, I mean, I definitely tested positive for COVID several times. So I know I had that. But right. dengue, I don't know if I really had that. And sepsis, you know, I, you know, I was told that, but I, Right. sometimes I think it might be hard to to know some of these things yeah. so i don't blame them for trying to like keep other people from getting sick and such right and, and if you if you think it did escape from a lab then that would be a rational response see i yeah. i think i am being fair i think that that that's that's the best explanation for the, the well, paranoia from but. what i've looked into yeah i mean early early on like a year ago saying it came from a lab was a conspiracy theory but now apparently you know that's not there there's credible evidence for and i i've been suspicious i don't think we can know for certain like we it's, don't it's not really it. it's not necessarily a conspiracy theory because a conspiracy theory we have to take the the two words it's definitely a theory yeah. But the cons the word conspiracy means there's at least two people that agree on a plan to carry out some kind of a plan, but okay. it could, it possibly could escape from a lab with only one person. So that's not oh, a conspiracy. Okay. Oh, okay. Right. Right. And, and so okay. if it's not a conspiracy, it's not a conspiracy theory. All sure. a conspiracy theory does is say, I'm going to, I have some data to explain. I need to, I need a theory right in science to inference to the best explanation. Mm -hmm. And sometimes postulating that two people plan something is the best explanation. That's why it's a crime, for example, in the United States, for uh, two people to even uh, agree to carry out a plan that is illegal, then that itself is a crime called conspiracy to commit something like kidnapping or bank robbery or something like that but you know so that would be a prosecutor would say this is a conspiracy theory to explain this jury please convict these people of this crime right. but you so, could okay, say but, conspiracy yeah. theory in the sense that the chinese government assuming it did come out of the lab which i think there's a there's a credible case to may be made for that assuming it did the chinese government yeah. conspired to cover that up or to that, prevent people from knowing that is it, most right? certainly true i think yeah. and i most, most most certainly but when you say the chinese government or the communist party government uh -huh. um that not not necessarily top down from beijing that's that's like because because the communist party is controlled by different bosses in oh, provinces right. around china i'm not an expert in how this works but it yeah. could have just been it could have just been a very small number of powerful people and who knows? I mean, it, it could, would have it eventually could be, but 
as, but, as but in terms of it would have been local, but as it yes, grew, that's right, that's right. You know, that's Xi Jinping right. would have had a say. That's in the that's definitely true. That's yes, absolutely, decision. that's true. I'm glad you said that. Yeah, yes, that's right. I, I think the in terms of letting the world know how what what the data are, you know, like who's sick, how many people are sick, where's the origin just sharing more information my understanding is they didn't do that very at all or very well so they they censored that's why i hate censorship i hate i think people need to just have information and just let them come to their own views about things so i don't like censorship i understand kind of why youtube does it they want to prevent extremism yeah because there are studies where if you click on the algorithm what the algorithm gives if you click through it goes more extreme mm-hmm. you know it might you know mean by, by extremism yeah. it's kind of, it's a little unclear what extremism means because you we use it to mean something bad mm-hmm. right but ext- you could actually be extremely good <laughs> but usually people don't usually mean the word extremism to mean something good, you're getting better and better they yeah, mean you say Nobel Prize winners are extreme. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Mother, Mother Teresa was extreme, right? Uh, <laughs> Gandhi. Gandhi was not a normal person. Terrible. He was extreme. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Martin Luther King Jr. was an extremist. Uh, yeah. You know, um, so I prefer to be a little bit more clear. I think what they mean is when you click through the algorithm, it gets worse and worse. I think that's what they really mean. Uh-huh. And that is the type of extreme, but it's only one type of extreme. Yeah, yeah. So I, um, anyway, I'm just trying to, I try to be very careful with the, the terms. Now, going back to, you said you were in the hospital and, and the, the, I want to go back to something you said, you said, um, God is good. I recovered. If, mm-hmm. if an atheist is listening to that carefully, um, what would you say to this? You said, God, God is good. I recovered. If you didn't, recover would that mean that god is not good no i'd say god is still good because i trust ultimately that god has a good reason for any evil or bad that happens in the world right so can i prove that absolutely no but here's the interesting thing even if we all existed in heaven we would still have to trust that god is good even if nothing bad happened because if you're in heaven long enough, and here's this, my little apologetics, you know, if people want a little taste of it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, this is a little taste of it. People don't realize that even if we didn't have any bad stuff happening, no sickness or illness, we would still have to trust God. Because if you're in heaven long enough, you might wonder, you know, people say today, hey, God has a good reason for allowing evil. There's a greater good. Well, you might be in heaven and you might think, what if God is not is allowing all those good things in heaven for some greater evil person? Mm. Purpose, sorry, not person. Right, right, Purpose. right. That's true. And That's so good. you might think, you know, That's say good. God is always so good, but maybe all of this is just so he can throw everybody into hell after mm. 100 million years and hell will be all that much hor- more horrible because we'll remember how wonderful heaven was. If we just went into hell right away, we wouldn't be able to compare it to how wonderful heaven was. So maybe God is diabolically evil, giving us just a hundred million years of bliss in heaven, 
which is nothing compared to say eternity hell, which God is going to do because he's diabolically evil. And he just wants us to have this memory. And so he's got all the time. He's got all the time in the world. Right. Uh, right. And so you might suddenly think about this and think, whoa, whoa, whoa. What if this is what God is up to? So you go to God and you say, mm -hmm. God, you know, is this what you're going to do? And God says, no, 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 don't worry. I'm not, I'm a good God. I, you know, I'm all powerful. You don't have to worry about any forces yeah. overcoming me or causing any harm. I'm perfectly good. This you're, is creepy. I'm never going to throw you out, right? <laughs> so then you're like, oh, wow, that's great. That's great. God's good. He sure me and you walk away, right? Then you're suddenly thinking again, wait a second. If God was really diabolically evil, that's exactly what he would say. He's trying to deceive <laughs> yeah. us, right? right? And so- in the end, there's literally and it's a trinity, nothing. right? So it's a conspiracy. <laughs> there you go. Good point. There's literally nothing that God could do to prove to you with absolute certainty that He was all good and all powerful, and you didn't have to worry about something happening in the future. You would still have to trust that He was good. And now, if you weren't willing to trust, and you were thinking that maybe somehow God was not all powerful or not all good you might try to rebel against God and you might not want to give him the worship that he's due. And I think the people that God does not allow into heaven are those people who will not trust that God is all good, all powerful, and are willing to worship him as he deserves. And oh. I think people who will not trust here on earth that God is perfectly good and has a good reason for allowing evil, I think those same people, if God let them into heaven, they still would not trust that God is good and all powerful and worthy of our worship. Now that's just a little taste. I can go into that more, but what I'm just saying is trust is really important. Ultimately, I think the whole problem of evil comes down to trust. Do you trust that God is all good and he has a morally sufficient reason as more philosoph a more philosophical way of putting it, a morally sufficient reason for yeah. allowing evil in this world. That's really insightful. I really, uh, yeah, that totally resonates with me. Uh, I, I, it sounds like you have nailed down a possible blockbuster genre of fiction that hasn't been written yet called Christian horror. <laughs> Being in heaven. Well, yes, yeah. yes. And I, I feel like I came up with this genre, so I get 10%, but I've talked <laughs> about this, like, um, in the past where, you know, what if basically heaven is run like uh, the the democrats want to run uh the united states or like uh leftists in 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 the world politics uh, socialists communists and you get there and god has delegated everything to bureaucrats like god has delegated the angels are the bureaucrats and they're they're um they're doing the best they can yeah. and you get there and your paperwork with the book of life is like missing you know, and there's a mix up like in your spelling of your name and you're and you're like, um, um, you're like, no, no, that's me. I really did believe in Jesus. And, and, and they're like, well, but and they even have like a foreign accent a little bit because it's heaven. It's, it's a foreign place. OK, and lots of and, and, and they say uh, um, we have to check the papers, uh, you know, um, with there's nothing in the book of life uh please wait over here you know and you're like waiting for like a thousand years <laughs> so you're kind of on the same thing of trust in god uh is as the answer to the problem of evil that's interesting how how long ago did you come up with that how how long did you have how long ago did, 
I don't know. It's been a few. I've thought of this for a few years because I've talked about it for quite a while. So you um, said, can I get this right? You said getting into heaven, you think, would be predicated on believing that God is good on earth. Is that right? Yeah. So that's, you know, for the Christian listeners, I don't want to say it's just that. Obviously, okay. faith, uh, salvation comes through faith in Jesus by God's grace. And it's because of Jesus' death and resurrection that our sins are atoned for and we have eternal life, right? So I'm not saying it's just this. But part of living the Christian life, after you accept the free gift of salvation made possible by Jesus' death and resurrection, um, you know, that is followed by repentance. And repentance means we are worshiping God. That's something I think we don't talk enough about. Worship matters a lot to God in the Bible, mm-hmm. but Christians don't talk enough about what is re- what does worship mean? And, and I, I need to learn more about it, think more about it too. So you're only going to worship God if you trust he's worthy of worship. Yeah. And a being that's worthy of worship is going to be perfectly good. That's right. If he's a perfectly good being. He has to have some good reason for allowing you. But if he doesn't have a good reason and he's just doing it for the kicks, I don't see how you can say he's perfectly good. So, you know, part of the Christian life is worship. That involves trusting that God is good and, and worshiping because he's worthy of that worship. Okay. So go back to what you said. Help us understand. You said God is good. I recovered. Yeah. Um, so why do you say it that way? Well, because what do you, what do you mean by thing, that? Okay. You know, certainly being able to recover from an illness is a good thing. Right. And so that's a blessing that God gave me. Now, if I had not recovered and I died, um, you know, I trust that God would bring some good out of that. I don't think the suffering and the death in and of itself is good. But whatever good purpose God has for that, and I could talk more about that if you wanted, but whatever good purpose God has for that, regardless of what it is, that is good. Did you have some insight that God was had a, had a purpose in that suffering when it was happening? Well, I don't, I don't, I don't want to claim that I know specifically after, why after. God. Okay. I have my ideas, my theodicies about why God allows evil in general. A theodicy is an explanation of for our listeners, for why God allows evil to occur. Were you scared? Uh, Were you scared at that time? No, not, not particularly, to be honest. Like God's told me in the past that, you know, that there were certain things I was going to do in my life. I won't go into all the details, but he spoke quite clearly about things that would happen in my life. And some very specific things that God said have already come true. And so I kind of knew that was going to happen in the future and I didn't see how those things could happen if I died in the hospital in Indonesia. And so I think that partly because of that, um, I was assured. But I also just like it, although I was very serious in my situation, I don't know. I just didn't, you know, not just because of what God said, but I just didn't think I was going to die too as well. Um, and so, I, I mean, I also was blessed because I was in a good hospital, you know, like Indonesia doesn't have good hospitals everywhere, but I was in the capital city of Jakarta and I was in, you know, a, a hospital that was relatively good quality. So that was helpful too. Right. But one good thing that did come out of my being sick is that I, got, I suddenly got interviewed by a number of people um, about my illness. Cause I was suddenly, you know, one of the few people. And then I, I got to talk about my ministry and stuff like that. And I, got to put an article on my website that got a fair bit of traffic. And I kind of 
talked about my COVID experience, but I also talked about my faith in God and my ministry a little bit too. So, I mean, that was one good thing that came out of it that I, that, that, I that is about. interesting. Um, what do you think the best argument for existence of God is? You've obviously thought very deeply about this. Yeah. What, what well, is it? I actually, I mean, or for Christianity. Still, yeah. I don't, let me say, I don't feel I fully plumb the depths of some of the arguments for God, because some of them involve some complicated science stuff that I don't claim to know. I don't have my PhD in physics and such, right? So the Kalam cosmological involves some, you know, scientific stuff and the fine tuning argument for the existence of God involves some scientific stuff that I don't claim to know. And even some of the philosophy that could be things, certain things I don't know. But the moral argument for the existence of God is the one that I feel like I've thought about a lot and I really like it. I think it's a successful argument. And the flip side of the art, moral argument for God is the argument for the existence of God from the reality of evil. And that's ironic because everybody, atheists always point to evil as a reason that God does not exist. I believe there's a very strong argument to be made for the existence of God from the reality. Because if God doesn't exist, evil doesn't really exist. Not in the way we use that word evil. So those uh, two, they're, they're kind of two sides of the same coin, but those are the ones, those are my go-to arguments that I like the most. Can you sketch that out for us so we know okay, what you're so, talking about? All right. So I'll, I'm just going to do it very quickly. If, if people want to hear more of a longer version, they I, I will have lit podcasts on this eventually, and I'll, I'll have an article on my website eventually, maybe even uh, before, by the time you post this up, you can put we'll, it in We'll link that in the description, okay. uh, even if, if it's... Even if it's later, I'll go back and put it in. Okay. All right. Fair enough. So the moral, one of the things we have to say with them, I'll do the moral argument for God. Um, when we say certain things are objective and certain things are subjective. And when I say something is objective, I mean, it's true because of something that exists outside the mind. Okay. Uh, philosophers like you will understand, I'm talking ontologically, not epistemologically, but I'm going to not use those words because I'm, I want to make this broadly understandable. So when I say objective or uh, objective, I'm talking about what makes it true. Is it true because of what you think in your mind or is it true because of something outside of your mind, right? So when we say ice cream, chocolate ice cream is the best flavor of ice cream in the whole world, that's uh, subjective because it's true because of what's going on here in my mind and my feelings and my taste buds, right? But if I say Mount Everest is the tallest mountain in the world, that's true because Mount Everest exists outside of my mind and the other mountains are not as tall as it, right? So then we can apply that understanding of subjective objective to moral truths. Almost everybody's going to agree that torturing babies for fun is wrong, right? Or killing a child is wrong. Now, maybe, maybe somebody doesn't agree with that, but we're going to have something that they think is true. Some moral statement is true. And then we can say, well, is that true? Is that an objective statement or if it's subjective? Is it true because of what we think in our minds? The, that can't be the right answer, though, because if it's just true because of what we think in our mind, then someone else who disagrees is just as right as we are, right? For subjective truths, when you say chocolate is the best flavor of ice cream in the whole world, I can, that's true subjectively for me. And someone else can contradict that, and they can be right, too. They can say vanilla is the best flavor and you're wrong chocolate is not the best so with subjective truths two people can contradict each other and both can be right but when it comes to moral truths like torturing and killing a child for fun is wrong 
we don't we don't treat those moral truths in that way. We don't say, well, someone else who has a different view who thinks that's good, well, they're right as well. No, that's not how we treat morality. We say a moral truth like torturing and killing a child for fun is wrong. That's true regardless of what anybody else thinks. And if someone disagrees, they are wrong. That means that truth is not true just because of what we think in our mind. It's not a subjective truth. Therefore, there must be something outside of our mind that makes that true. The question is, what exists outside of our mind that makes that true? Well, one reality that exists outside of our mind is the physical world. The physical world exists out there. And when I say physical world, I just mean everything, you know, made out of, um, I can't remember now, leptons and what are the subatomic particles? There's there's two class and I, I slipped my mind right now. But I just mean like leaves, trees, rocks, <clears throat> oxygen, distant galaxies, you know, the molten core of the earth, any physical thing, right? Anything that's studied by physics and chemistry, all that are physical things. The problem is a moral truth like killing children is wrong. That is not true because of anything that exists out of my mind. I can't point to the sun and say, because the sun exists, therefore murder is wrong. I can't point to a rock or oxygen or subatomic particles or distant stars and say, compassion is good because that distant star exists. Moral truths just cannot be true, cannot be grounded in the physical world. So what are we left? We're, we, the way we say moral truths, they're not true because of what we think in our mind. They must be true because of something outside of our mind. But the physical world can't support or ground the truth of those statements. So there's only one other option. There must be something outside of our minds that is not physical, which entails or which grounds moral truths that say murder is wrong. What is this non-physical reality that exists outside of our minds? Well, what we're starting to talk about now sounds a lot like God, right? Now, it's not necessarily the Christian God. It's just some non-physical reality. So we call it a spiritual reality that entails moral truths. So, yes, I want to emphasize we don't have the Christian God, but we are a step closer to the Christian God. So it'd be like part of a cumulative case? Exactly, right. And mm -hmm. so we can also add, there's other reasons I, we could add why I believe this non-physical reality must be some kind of mind that it can't just be this, uh, yes. you know, like a platonic form, which, you know, is a way of understanding or thinking yeah. of it. Yeah. So you, if it's got to be some kind of a mind, and I say this because it relates into purpose of life, mm -hmm. which I, I haven't explained, but you could go into that. And then if you add other arguments for the existence of God, if you assume that, uh, assuming they're successful, the Kalam cosmological argument, the fine tuning argument, you might want to say the ontological argument, you start to get something that looks a lot like similar to the Christian God. And then yes, if you add yes. in a case for Jesus's death and resurrection, then you can say a more, much more concrete that this is the Christian God rather than just some classical notion of God. Do you believe that murder is wrong? Yes. Why do you believe that? Why do you believe that? <clears throat> well, ultimately, because you could say I sense it in the sense of a part. So there's a lot of philosophy here that I know you'll understand, but 
I'm, I'm trying to think about how much to explain for our listeners. I'd say it's, a it's okay. Property. Just, just go for it. And then if there's a term that's unclear, I'll just okay, ask you so to I'd explain say, it. I know it is a properly basic belief, right? So in, in the branch of philosophy known as epistemology, they talk about certain things that we can know or be rationally justified as knowing or have knowledge of without having to have some kind of argument for, right? So in the sense that I can know the moon exists because I look at it. And unless I have some reason to think that my knowledge of the, of the moon is false, like there's some kind of defeater or something like that, mm-hmm. I, know, I don't need an argument to, be, to know that the moon exists. I can just see it, right? Um, if I use my senses and I empirically detect something, like I smell something or hear something, then I'm rationally justifying that and knowing that's true apart from any arguments. And that's an analogy because you can't see that murder is wrong. Right. Right. So I also believe though, we have another sense in us that allows us to know that you, and it's not an empirical faculty. It's not something I smell or taste or hear or something like that Mm -hmm. but i i believe we have this other sense in us that allows us to know that human beings have value and worth and to know certain moral truths that come out of that such as that murder is wrong what do you call that what do you call that faculty if it's well sensing if it's not seeing that's a faculty so what would it be i call it the sixth sense it allows me to know dead people exist too (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm but I think you, Michael you, Humer, I think Michael Humer at University of Colorado Boulder calls it moral intuitionism. I think other people okay. call it that too, but he Okay. Is that okay. what you mean by that? Is it it's a Yeah, you could call or... that. I I'm not familiar with that term, but you certainly could um use that word and I think it's similar to there's a famous Christian philosopher named Alvin Plantinga who call who talks about the sensus divinitatis. Oh. Okay. And he says, I mean I know you know this Lucas again, but um, the census divinitatis allows us to know that God exists apart from any arguments. And he, this is not an argument right, right, for God's right. existence. It's saying if God exists, we can be rationally justified in knowing that God exists apart from arguments. And that's an yes. important distinction people miss, right? Well, yeah. And I, I asked you directly because it, it occurred to me to ask you, do you believe murder is wrong? And it would have been very creepy if you would have said, after all of that you just said, if you would have said, no, I don't, <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, but you do, I guess, I feel like you gave a very astute answer that, that's probably true. And it's certainly a respectable answer. Like it sounds very academic. But I feel like if you were to ask me, do I believe God or uh, not God, but if you were to ask me, do I believe murder is wrong? You can ask me that if you want. You don't have to be bashful. Okay. Do you believe murder is wrong? (laughs) Yes. Good. And you could even ask me why, if you want, you don't have to be bashful. Okay. Okay. Why do you believe more? more I think it's because I read the 10 commandments as a kid. Okay. And I, I just developed now I'm not saying this is contradictory of what you said. Okay. I just think it's like, and I don't know how to weave it into what you said. Exactly. We don't have to figure it out today, but um, maybe I just wonder why would God have to give the 10 commandments is what I'm asking. I'm wondering. Yeah. And I think it's because 
you know, there's a lot of, there's different issues here, but we have this moral, the census divinitatis that is related to our sense or to our knowledge of morality. Um, but that's a flawed ability. So that's why, and I think okay. all human beings have that regardless of whether they're Christians or not. That's why there's a lot of common morality throughout the world. You know, you, yes. you can be Buddhist or Hindu or Muslim and still believe murder is wrong. Or, Jakarta, you know, Jakarta has uh, laws against murder. Exactly. Even though it's yep. a Muslim majority country. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, but that's that faculty we have or that ability inside of us is flawed and corrupted by our sinful human nature. And so we need help and information uh, from God to help us correct that and to, 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 uh, to, to correct that the wrong ideas that we get from it. So, but that doesn't mean that some people would say, well, that sense doesn't exist. No, we have a sense of sight, even though some people can be blind or have, you know, impaired vision. And so sometimes we need help with that, you know, to see things correctly. That's true. That's good. That's really good. Uh, I don't think we got to, why did you set up in Georgia? Oh yeah. So we were originally going to go to Korea, but then Korea was uh, close. It was the pandemic hard to get there. And we wanted to do our ministry there. Then I was, we were thinking about Philippines. Philippines was even harder to get in. They weren't letting anybody in. So I literally went online. I just started doing searches for the countries that Canadians can get into. And, uh, Georgia came up on that uh, list and they, you know, there was like 20 or 30 countries. A lot of them were like small Caribbean islands or something like that. Oh man. And Why didn't I just you go looked, there. Why didn't you go to, <laughs> it could have been, well, it could have been nice, but it anyway, Georgia to please look, you kind of look like a drug dealer right now. I'm just saying you could have okay. fit in, in the Caribbean perfectly because you look very rich. And are you, are look, you saying, cause this background, I, I yes. should let our listeners yes. know I have a green screen behind me. This is not, this is not my silk shirt. And um, (laughs) I I think I I can see the guard next to you. You have a guard, right? With a no, 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 no. I've got bodyguards all around me. You do have bodyguards. (laughs) If if you pull a gun out, Lucas, they're going to blow you away. (laughs) I'll just be warned. Yeah. They're going to make me wear a mask, which is even worse. Um, Yeah. That's awful. I was going to ask you to wear a mask during this interview and just, but I'm glad I didn't. Glad you didn't. Glad you didn't. Yeah, so, so how, we, yeah. we just researched Georgia. I like looked on like there's a, more and more people who are living, you know, with the Internet and with Elon Musk's new um, Starlink satellites, more and more people don't have to do their jobs in Canada, America, you know, big cities or whatever. You can live anywhere, yeah. work remotely. And we've seen that during the pandemic. So there's more and more people saying, well, what's what's a nice place in the world to live in? Right. You know, and so. Tbilisi doesn't have the taxes that Canada has. It has a much lower cost of living, but it has a lot of nice things here. I mean, they have shopping malls, there's, you know, grocery stores, there's a subway and stuff like that. So, I mean, not that my goal in the world is to live in the nicest place, right? But it, the ministry we're doing is international. A lot of times I'm traveling to different parts of the world. So I, I can, don't have to travel from Canada. And then there's a lot of online stuff. And so I can do online stuff from here. There's internet access. The internet too, is so. obviously working very well there. I think we've yeah, had so the far. best connection. We have be- we've had better connection here with than when we have with some of the American people that have come on. Um, so how, tell us about your ministry. How can we learn about it and support it? And also um, tell us a, a little bit about 
how you got the idea for your ministry in the first place? Well, a lot of it just came because, you know, so I was, you know, doing those MAs that we talked about. I lived in Korea in Korea for quite a while. And I just thought um, there's a lot of good reasons for Christianity, you know, a lot of good evidence for it. I, you know, I, I, even though I was convinced it was true before I started Christianity, I was also worried that I wouldn't find what I was looking for because I, I very much wanted to objectively assess the arguments. And I yeah. was concerned, what if I didn't find any good arguments for Christianity? What right. would happen to faith, faith know, then? Yeah, I mean, yeah. could I really believe it was objectively true? Were you worried um, about confirmation bias? Were you worried about you already yeah. believe it? So you're just looking for reasons to continue to believe it. And you're just sure. kind of like, you're kind of like one of these people that votes a certain way and they just, they only look at what they agree with or. Yeah. Yeah. I was certainly concerned about that, you know, so I would try to spend a lot of time doing, uh, you know, looking, doing the outsider test there. Uh, John Loftus, I believe he's a former Christian who challenges Christians to regard their own faith with the same skepticism uh, that they regard, uh, they apply to other religions. And I think that's, that's fair. You know, like, I think if you really want to do object, uh, apologetics, well, you need to be, uh, critical of arguments that work in your favor. You can't just blindly accept them. And I need to do that, especially as an apologist, because if I'm going to do a debate with someone or, uh, speak somewhere and have people with difficult questions, if I haven't looked at it from both sides and, and I'm not ready to think from both sides, I'm not going to be able to give good answers to people objection. And they're, you know, as an apologist, your arguments are going to fall apart in a few seconds if you haven't examined them critically because someone will point at a problem with them. You know, the whole goal of any good apologist or philosopher is not to think about how right you are all the time, but to try to think about the whole possible holes in your argument and how you could be wrong, right? And I know I've talked about this with my wife and some other friends that drives some people's nuts because if I'm yes. talking with someone and you might have the same experience, right? As somebody trained sure. in philosophy. Yeah. People anytime are afraid. I, no, anytime I find someone I agree with, I don't want to just sit around patting ourselves on the back, talking about how smart and right we are. I want to think right. I could be wrong. So I start taking an alternative yeah. view and it sometimes really annoys the other person because they, they don't like that. They want to talk about how right we are, right? And they don't want me taking a contrarian kind of position or a devil's yeah. advocate view, right? Because, mm -hmm. you know, I might agree with them 95%, but I want to find that 5% that we might be weak at, right? Or where mm -hmm. possibly could possibly be wrong. So I did, you know, as I've studied apologetics over the years, I, I have tried to really critically assess them. And a lot of times I'm not very impressed with an argument for Christianity until I've heard what the best and brightest on the other side have to say in response to it. But that, you know, over the years, as say like William Lane Craig, I know he's, he's someone you, you've learned from too, I'm sure studying at Talbot. He's had all these debates around the world. I mean, this is something for our listeners to know. If yes. you've never heard of William Lane Craig, you should check out some of his debates because oh, yeah, yeah. he's done dozens and dozens of debates with some of the top skeptics in the world and, and mm -hmm. even people of other religions like Muslims. He wins these debates over and over again. And these are, these are the most sophisticated, well-respected scholars in the world. Yep. And he wins these debates because there really are some good reasons to believe Christianity is true. And, and you won't and he's hear put that. the work in. He's put the work in. Yeah, exactly. And you won't hear that if you're watching The Simpsons or watching popular culture, watching CNN or cat if you're watching CBC or cat videos. Right. Yeah. 
But if you take the time to really try to dig deep into the arguments for Christianity and look at what the best the other side have to say, you don't find that everything is perfect all the time. Like sometimes you find like, oh, you know, this, this yes. is weaker. I wish this was stronger here. But overall, I'm convinced that Christianity makes more sense and has better arguments and better reasons to believe it than any other religion or worldview out there. I certainly think it's better than atheism. And I say that as somebody who's been looking at these issues for a long time, who's tried to look at a lot of different areas, not just one area. And that's my honest conviction. And, and so I think I, I want to share that with the world. And as I was studying these things, doing the degrees, living in Korea, spending a lot of time talking to non-Christians of different views and perspectives and such, I just said, I, I want to spend my life doing this. That God gave me this, you know, obviously gave me this passion and desire and so then that's when um, I first went on staff with, in Canada with Power to Change, which uh, American listeners will be much more familiar with Crew. In, in Canada, Crew is called Power to Change or P2C sometimes for short. So I was on staff with them for four or five years. And then I left that in two, November 2019. And I started uh, the ministry that I lead now called Worldview Summit. And so, uh, you know, we've got a, it's, it's been slow going because it's just me, you know, I, I was just making the website on my own for several weeks that first summer when I started and figuring everything out. There's so much figuring out involved. Uh, but now, you know, that we've been going for a while, we're, that what we've been working on for the last few months is this new podcast called Lit. And we still only have about five or six episodes because I'm, I'm doing it differently. I'm not doing it like, say like this, I'm trying to make the, the episodes are only about 10 minutes long and they've got a lot of fast change in it. You know, there's a lot of I'm trying to make it kind of fun to listen to and have clips of different scholars and people speaking in it and things like that. And, and so there's a lot of video editing that I'm trying to get other people to do. And I'm trying to find the right person to do that. And it just costs a lot to get someone to do video editing. So I'm working on raising the funds. And then I also, many people might not realize this, but a, a lot of YouTube channels that have a lot of video editing in it, there's a lot of fast paced change stuff. It's usually not one person doing that. There's usually a team of five, six, 10, 15 people who are all working to make that happen. And that's how they can crank out one, two episodes a week. That sounds so, like a conspiracy theory to me. Cause you, okay. what you're doing is you're saying you have this video and yeah. it's too complicated to explain by just one person. Well, so there's, so there's a bunch it. of people that, that made that. Well, it, it, it's not about, um, it, it's about a team of people who are, you, you know, are working together theory. who are, what? Okay. well, Just one person in the video editing. No, so you're saying in your experience thumbnail, that you, you can't do it by yourself very well or fast. Well, it's just hard. Like I've been producing on average by one episode a month and I already have some people to help me do that, wow. but which is all the other stuff. If you want to make a quality thing, you know, you need other people. If you crank out a lot of content, right now, other types of things like an interview this you know like what you're doing here is like what joe rogan does right so this is great it has a whole style to it it's wonderful lots of people love it but it's a lot easier and simpler to put it up and so i'm yes. planning to do some of this too as well i want to finish the series and then Good. interview people asking them about it um but yeah, I'm yeah. I'm trying to do this style right now and then okay. build on that. And and this sure. style of lit is just I realize how much work it is 
how much yeah. money it costs to hire all the people and stuff like that. Can you, so can you give us a little bit more insight on the money part? What, like realistically, what would be a need that you need to meet financially? Well, my goal right now is to raise about 50,000 US dollars. Um, I say that because I'm not talking Canadian dollars. It's a little bit different, but 50,000 US dollars would be great because um, I really- and these are want- these are Biden dollars. So those of you keeping track, this really means $60,000. Okay. In, in a few months from now, given the rate of inflation, it might be more like 100,000 or so. But right now, <laughs> this moment, uh- it's 50. God is good though, right? God is good. God is is good. Despite inflation, despite the evil inflation. Um, So yeah, that, that's kind of my, my goal at the moment. Um, It it might change a little bit because I really want to get a good video editor that I don't have to go in and tell, like, I've been frustrated. A lot of video editors that I've hired, they've been cheaper. I'm trying to stretch my dollars. They don't necessarily, they they maybe can do it, but they don't have the artistic sense to know where to put things. The quality is not there. Yeah, that yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get what you pay for. So I want to. I'm. I think I can still do well by hiring. Amazing somebody. how that works. Yeah, yeah, you get what you pay for. So I'm trying to get a good video editor, and but a, probably still someone in the Philippines because you can get quality for you know their cost of living is lower, or it, maybe it's not Philippines, it could be somewhere else. And then also Mexico, get people are getting virtual assistants in Mexico now. Okay. All right. Fair enough. My, I have and a then, friend that has a, has a new company and he's got all, all his crew is from Mexico and she's, okay. and he says they do a very good job okay, and they well, need, they, maybe, they need the work too. They need the work. Okay. Yeah. Well, maybe I need to get connected to your friend and find out who, okay. who he's got there too as well. So um, there's that. And I, I really like to be able to have someone who's very good at creating content and uh, helping me to improve my content, copy editing, right. To be able to do that. Right. So I was hoping to get, I, I think I'm, I haven't decided yet for either of those, but I think I'm probably going to need someone who's a native English speaker who has graduate degrees. And so they're going to cost more. So even $25,000 for them will probably just get me someone part-time. I could probably get me a full-time video editor, but probably part-time for that. So that's just the next step. And I, Lord willing, I would love what I'm hoping for one day is to have something in between, if you know the Bible projects, uh, have you heard of it before, the Bible project? No. Okay, they create a lot of 2D animation stuff explaining the Bible, and they've been quite successful, and, and they do a lot of good stuff and just explaining what the Bible is about, like 10-minute videos, talking about this book of the Bible and stuff, and they have narration and 2D videos. So I'm looking for something like that combined with something like PragerU, right? PragerU has been very successful in terms of influencing people. They have like a $40 million budget and they've had billions of views on their videos. Now, PragerU has some things that are apologetics in Christian worldview because it's run by Dennis Prager, who's a conservative or maybe even, I'm not sure, technically orthodox. he's He's a Republican. Okay. That's, yeah, I know that's something the Republican podcast likes to know. He's in Los Angeles. Um, He's in Los yeah. Angeles, which okay. is where we yeah. are. Yeah. Right. Nice. Nice. Yeah. You've got that. You've got that. It's a minority. There's not very many Republicans down here. So. Yeah. I understand. I understand. I know it's, it's, a we're like yeah. Christians. We're, we're, right. we're a minority. Right. Right. So Prager U has talks about a lot of other stuff that I don't even know about some things. I find them interesting to look at, but I'm not like saying I necessarily agree with everything. They're five but my minutes. point they're, is they're five minute videos, right? Yes. Right. And they're, they're very successful in terms of just reaching a lot of people and spreading yes. Dennis Prager's ideas. And 
the Christian apologetics part, you know, I definitely resonate with other parts I agree with, but they're not necessarily Christianity. And then there's other parts where like, I don't really know much about that, but it's interesting to hear their opinion, right? My point in bringing it up, though, is I'd like to make a Christian apologetics version of those two things, although kind of in that sphere, right? And Mm. I just think we have huge opportunities, the Christian church, I mean, has huge opportunities now in the information age in terms of I mean, we can reach into the heart of the Muslim world and be able to say things and share things now that in 1400 years of Islam, we have not been able to do. Mm. And there are all kinds of atheists online spreading their ideas. Mm. There's all kinds of Mormons, Jehovah's Witnesses, Hindus, Buddhists. And again, I'm not against the people. The people are made in God's image. But I'm convinced Christianity is true. And in as much as these other views contradict Christianity, they both can't be right. Because I'm convinced Christianity is true, therefore they must be wrong. Now, it's not everything about them wrong. When a Muslim says that you should love your mother, I say amen. When a Buddhist (laughs) says you should be compassionate, absolutely. You don't want to throw them in jail, right? No, absolutely not. But I'm just convinced that Christianity is true, that God exists. He deserves to be worshipped, that Jesus died and rose again, which made it possible for our sins to be forgiven, and that we can be reconciled back to God and have eternal life because of those truths, right? So I want to share this with people, and I'm looking for Christians who believe in this vision, who want to see this kind of high-quality information out there, yes. and would like to help me do that. So if any, do you have a donate? Uh, do you have a donate button uh, for this project? The, yeah, okay. if people go to my our website, worldviewsummit.org. Uh, so it's just worldview, the word worldview, and then summit, like the word summit. There's no space between it. Worldview Summit all together dot org. That's O-R-G for people who don't know how to spell word. And uh, so you can go to the website, <laughs> click the donate button at the top, and there you go. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Um, can I ask you one last question? Sure. Yeah. And then we better finish up. I think it's getting, getting a little late here. Can apologetics be done on tiktok wow yeah that's uh that's a good question (laughs) i thought about that i thought about you know i I want to be able to have all kinds of different lengths of stuff Mm -hmm. so stuff that's longer that's you know maybe like this interview format you know there could be books but we live in a world where people want short stuff. And a lot of times people don't want to listen to your long stuff uh, unless they think you're worth listening to. So sometimes you got to give them something short that's worth hearing before they're going to invest the time to listen to your long stuff. And I, I understand that. But then how short can you actually go and still make it good? And I think it's possible because I've seen some Muslims on TikTok who do some very little simple things where they're trying to clear up Muslim misunderstandings or something like that. So I think Christians can do that, can do apologetics. It's obviously not going to be very deep or sophisticated. I think it's possible, but uh, yeah, I have to think a lot about how to do that. Well, I want to, you know, not so the function of it would be to have them go to something slightly longer and then have that go to something slightly longer and then yeah but, that's the strategy i'm adopting or and i will be adopting more in the future and i'll have to, like some people might jump into your long thing right like some people might jump right into right. an hour and a half interview because maybe someone recommends it 
but I think it is good to have shorter things that then invite people to listen to a longer thing, right? Yeah, and- I'm kind of wondering what TikToky stuff does to people. I just wonder if it shortens attention spans rather than invites someone to a longer attention span. I don't know. The, and yeah. I'm not sure if there's even an answer to that. I don't know. There, there's certainly probably a lot of people who might see what we put on TikTok and never bother to go to anything longer, more sophisticated. They will probably but, just go to the next TikTok, right? Because <laughs> that's, that's the right. point of it is to constantly give you dopamine and and constantly yeah, yeah, yeah. serotonin or whatever it is. I don't know the brain yeah. stuff, but anyway, so but <laughs> we're we're not gonna like I you know I don't think TikTok and reels and short stuff is ever gonna disappear in it, or at least not in the near future unless something gives a bigger dopamine fix in the future, right? We're going to keep having that. Right. So I, I think there's no point in fighting it. We might as well embrace it and okay. uh, try to use it for good purposes to, to uh, bring glory to God. I agree. And uh, we are so grateful that you spent the time here on a, is it Friday night for you? I believe so. Yes. Friday night. Friday night. Um, I know you were going to go out clubbing. We, we went back and forth and you said, as long as it doesn't interfere with my clubbing activities on Friday night, because I get a lot of business done, a lot of handshakes, a lot of cash. That's where I learn all my apologetics. I kind of go there and I yes. like, and the like the cash job. deals you, you do. And right. so, um, but we really appreciate you coming on Pete, uh, Peter. It, it's been great to reconnect part of why I'm doing this is because I, I get to use this to talk to people I like, and I get to reconnect with you how, and we kill two birds in one stone. Awesome. It's been good connecting with you. I'm glad you don't think I'm an idiot too, as well. No, of course not. (laughs) Appreciate that. Thank you. All right.